The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio Digital Media. Brought to you by Brown and Wood, Buick GMC, Cadillac and Mazda. Hey, Pirate Nation, this is Tom Brown from Brown and Wood Cadillac. We've been serving the Pirate Nation in eastern North Carolina for 83 years. We have four brands, three generations, two showrooms, and one goal, to make sure you leave a happy customer. We're located on Greenville Boulevard next to the convention center, or shop us online at brownandwoodauto.com. The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. You can paint this with purple. Now live from the Pirate Radio studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. Hello and welcome into a Tuesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Clip Brock here with you inside the Pirate Radio studios. Coming to you today on Pirate Radio 92.7 FM in Greenville, 104.1 in Washington. We are on 1250, 930, also online, PR927FM.com. And you can watch us on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Got a lot of great stuff on our YouTube page, including Monday's Brian Bailey Show, where he talked to ECU head basketball coach Joe Dooley. You can check that out. Also, the interviews with the Pirate coordinators in football, Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harrell, and Mike Houston's press conference from yesterday. It's all available on YouTube at Pirate Radio TV. We got a ton of guests to get to on today's show. Coming up in about 20 minutes or so, we'll talk to former Pirate, former Panther, the color analyst on the Pirates IMG Network, Kevin Monroe. We'll talk about his long, strange trip to Houston over the weekend and how he's doing now. And uh, we'll get you set for East Carolina and South Florida coming up on Thursday night. Camo will join us in just a little bit. At 4 o'clock, we'll talk to Marshall Lamb from the North Carolina Baseball Museum. They have a hot stove banquet coming up in Wilson uh, in November. We'll get you all the details on that and talk about the North Carolina Baseball Museum. Uh, Speaking of baseball, my Braves playing tonight game one of the world series so we'll get into that during today's show as well at around 425 will turner he's the steven igo of south florida from bulls 24 7 he'll give us a scouting report on thursday's opponent the south florida bulls we'll talk to will at around 425 at 445 we'll look at the college football action this weekend from a gambling perspective with the big man on campus jeff nadu at five o'clock steven igo will join us and at around 5.30, we'll hear from Donnie Kirkpatrick, ECU Offensive Coordinator, his comments from yesterday. So we are slammed here on a Tuesday. Got Shirley Rhodes, Chandler Honeycutt producing and joining me inside the Pirate Radio studios to kick off today's show. ECU Assistant Basketball Coach Antoine Jackson. And Coach, we appreciate your time. How you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Getting ready for some Pirate Hoops coming up <laughs> in, uh, in just a few weeks now. So East Carolina uh, ready to go in uh, in Minji's Coliseum. And, and personally, I can't wait to get back in Minji's, Coach. It's been a while for me. Uh, in fact, last year was your first season here? Yes, sir. So you haven't even experienced Minji's when it can get rocking and rolling. I know you're excited about that. From a, from a visiting perspective, okay. I have. But <laughs> not a... Uh, not not on the not on the home on the home team. So see, looking forward to that. Heard uh, Coach Dooley on the Brian Bailey Show Monday, Coach. Just uh, the difference the practices are now compared to a year ago, where you actually have a a full roster. You can go more five on five, and it can return to quote unquote normal. So how nice has that been as you lead up to this upcoming season? It's, it's been uh, very much refreshing. Uh, just that you don't have to. I mean, you still have to. You know 
in the back of your mind, you know, the normal stuff. But this so now it, it can be like how it was before. You don't have to worry about one ball, <laughs> on, you know, one coach, one manager can only touch a ball. I mean, it, you know, the stuff we had to go through last year was, I mean, it was wild. But, you know, it, you know, that's the way. That's the way it had to be, and you know we we did it. So uh, it's, it's great to be back to regular basketball. Yes, sir. So. Uh, familiar faces uh, coming back on this roster, and a lot of new faces as well. Let's uh, let's talk about the returners and how they improved. I'll go quickly one by one, Coach. What is uh, what's Tristan Newton done to improve his game from a year ago? Well, the obvious is he's in better shape than he was uh, last season. COVID um, got him last year, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he just, you know, he just has some extra weight on him. Now yeah. he's, you know, he's he's leaner, okay? Um, and, you know, he can, he can he's moving better. He can go longer, harder, longer. Uh, so that, you know, that, that's that been, uh, I would say that's the biggest thing with him. Uh, J.J. Miles, we've seen him get hot. We've seen him take over at times. How, how does how does a shooter like that get consistent hitting those shots? I mean, that's something I'm sure he's worked on this offseason. Yeah, but I, I would say with you know with with, with J.J. Um, him uh, being a leader and accepting it and like you know and and doing things. Um, you know, he's you know you, you see he's grown up. <laughs> From from you know last year to this year, in my opinion, um, you know as far as you know, shoot, I mean he he works at it. You know, you know he's not trying to miss when he, when he misses. Um, you know, I, I just think the thing with with guys shooting the ball, you just got to take good ones, take good ones, and you'll make you'll make more than you miss. You take good ones, you you know, and you're ready to shoot them. Another guy we've seen take over at times, Tremont Robinson-White, and it seems like he's dealt with injuries even uh, before you got here. Yep. But uh, when he's 100%, I don't know how often he's even been 100%, but he can really go. How's uh, And speaking of leadership, I'm sure you'll be counting on him too for yeah. leadership. He's been he's been healthy. Um, you know, he can – you know, he, for, he don't look athletic, but he makes some athletic <laughs> plays, you know. Um, but being able to get downhill and, and 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 make plays without turning the ball over, I think the thing with him is that he's made a big jump, not turning the ball over, um, and he, he's come he's come he's come a long way with that. And you know, defensively, he gets his hands on a lot of a lot of balls. You know, he, he, you know, we don't you have people have no idea just how so how much that. Just poking the ball and knocking the ball out of bounds, and it don't seem like much because it don't show up in the stat sheet. Yeah, but not you know taking teams out of rhythm or just bothering players, you know, making them turn their shoulders so they're not facing the basket and not you know in attacking you know in attack mode. Those those things are huge. And he he does a really good job of that. Another guy that can defend. I've always been a big fan of Brandon Suggs. He, I don't know if he's great at anything, but he's good at everything. He can defend, rebound. I love when he gets aggressive, takes it to the hole, and and he can shoot as well. Uh, just a good all around player. And, yes. and have you seen his game develop yes. this offseason? He just he's going to guard whoever the opposing team's best, you know, perimeter player is. He's going to. You know he's gonna he can guard anybody. Be honest with you, maybe not a five man, but you right. know, one through four he can he can he can deal with him. And he's long. 
And uh, I think with him is he's six seven, and you know you know spread out and you know play with your length. But he's you know like you said he's 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 pretty solid you know at, at everything. I think the the area he's continuing to grow in is you know is handling the ball, which he's gotten better at. He's definitely gotten better at handling the ball, and uh, you know his shooting has been has been well has been good. Um, but his defense. Versatility on the defensive end has been uh, has been his biggest, uh, you know, his biggest, uh, you know, on the, on the upside for us. And Luigi Debo back as well, another guy that's dealt with injuries in the past and yeah. uh, going to help you out on the interior this season. Yeah, from a you know, again, he's another one. He's got himself in terrific shape. Uh, his energy level is high. Um, you know, he's a you know motor guy um, and. You know, he's been able to, you know, score the ball, you know, going into this preseason. You know, he's gotten better at it from, from last year. So that's that's something we would, you know, we would love to see continue um, as we get to, you know, play against people outside of ourselves, you know, uh, which I know these guys are tired of going against each other because no we, we've been doing that since, uh, you know, since the summertime. Um, but, you know, Luigi's, like I said, is active, energetic, you know, chasing down loose ball rebounds. You know, he he gets more. We were actually talking about this, in, you know, as a staff. He he gets more loose balls than than anybody. I mean, another so. hidden stat. Uh, yeah, something you don't see. That yeah. that's a big deal. Extra possessions. Yeah, coach. Uh, at this point, and and it's gonna you know change soon, but like. Vance Jackson and and Winston Tabs, not really Winston Tabs. We've seen him score a lot, but these guys are almost like myths at this point because we're hearing a lot about them, but we haven't seen them. You've seen them every day. So why, you know, why are people excited about these guys? What are they doing uh, at practice? What are they doing, you know, scrimmage wise that uh, should have Pirate fans excited about seeing these fellas? Well, um, to start off, um, we can start off with with Vance. Um, you know, he was a uh, he was a highly recruited, you know, player out of high school. Okay, uh, and he's been an accomplished college basketball player wherever he's been. Um, so he's proven already. He's got a lot of games under his belt. Okay, and why pirate fans will be excited is you know he's he's one of those guys that's being able to make perimeter shots, and that's an area an area where you know we haven't been. The best in, okay. Um, so adding a person that's a good player that can make perimeter shots and he's tall, okay. <laughs> we'll take that, it. <laughs> you know that 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 helps. Yes, sir. That that definitely helps. Uh, he's also the only player on our roster that's played in the NCAA tournament game. Okay? Wow. So yeah. he, you know, came from you know last year playing at you know playing at Arkansas. Yeah. You know they played you know. They played in the, in the tournament, so he's played in, you know, high level, meaningful games, um, which you know a lot of guys hadn't. So that's huge. Um, to Winston, to Winston Tabs, um, you know, we're talking about somebody that you know. I mean, he's he averaged thirteen a game in the ACC. He shot. He's another one. Perimeter shooting. You know, he shot. For his career, I think like thirty-seven percent uh, from three. Okay, 
it's a good that's a you know that's a really good number. Yeah. So um, and he's a proven scorer. I, I, I think that's the thing with both of them. Um, you know, they're proven scorers. So you add them to the you know to the mold, and you know that's why you know for optimism, you, you know, um, people why, why you would be you know why you be excited. So now when adding new people to the fold. Figuring, figuring out which is what we're going through now. Figuring out how you're actually going to fit in, you know. Play and, and this is just players are naturally. I mean, young people worry about scoring points. Yeah, I mean, that's not you know that. But now, figuring out how, how do you get them within the context and the flow without you know disrupting everybody else. Well, I heard Coach yeah. Dooley say everybody's excited until and happy until the game starts and you're sitting on <laughs> yep, the bench. Yep, like, yep, and I was going to yep. bring this up next with you. You kind of got into it without me asking, but you're a coach. You're also like a teacher, a psychologist. Like you got to keep these guys happy together, all that. That's that's part of the biggest challenge you face maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he says it to them. He, so, uh, and he's right because, yeah, everybody cause, – because now there's, there's no um, – there's no added pressure or reality. Let's just say reality. There hasn't been a reality yet of who gets the minutes and who doesn't. Right. So, and it's and it's not personal. Yeah, it's not personal. But we know young people take it personal when they don't play. They don't look at it. You know, they want to say, "Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown man or I'm, I'm grown up." Well, <laughs> they, young people don't always act grown up. Okay, <laughs> you know, and we didn't even, you know, I know I didn't when I was age. I didn't always act grown up either. So, um, but those are the things we're going to have to work through, um, and you got to keep, you know, keep everybody. I mean, it's a, it's a long season. You know, we say this all the time. It's a long season. Um, everybody's not going to have a great game all the time. So you got to keep, you know, guys that aren't playing a lot early, or if you don't play well, like. You can't go in the tank. You just got to keep plugging away, plugging away, and at some point, it'll happen. It'll happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And coach, in the era of the the transfer portal and bringing in these guys you brought in, it also looks like you you brought in a recruiting class that people are excited about as well. When you look at Reyes, Small, Felton, and I might leave some name out uh, names out. Mosher, uh, Marlon, Leston. Like how many of the the freshmen and Brian, you, Brandon Johnson? Johnson. Uh, how many of those guys do you think will be a, a, a part of this rotation? And you know, how many of these guys are you counting on in year one? Well, I mean, on game day, I should yeah, say. You're yeah, yeah. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna count on all of them, right? Um, <laughs> it, it, but their roles are going to be different. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so I mean, Javon's been, you know, Javon from, from the, you know, from the guard standpoint, you know, coming in, he's he's had moments. Um, you know, uh, Alexis uh, being able, you know, taller guy being able to shoot the ball from the perimeter. You know, he's he's had some stretches. You know, RJ, um, you know, athletically. I mean, he's I mean he's built like I mean. He's built like a grown man coming through. I, I just want to see him in the layup line before the yeah. game do some dunks, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, that'll, that'll, His highlight tape's crazy. Yeah, that'll that'll jump that'll jump out at you. He plays really, really hard. 
he you know he he only knows one speed okay <laughs> but that's fine i'd rather have to you know try to help slow somebody down right. and always got to you know always got to speed them up um you know tay tay Mosier is, is a unbelievably hard worker like he's always you know in the gym he's always you know working his time will come okay uh, you know Marlon you know Marlon got here late so he he wasn't uh privy to the summer um that everybody else had that's not his fault though that's not his fault so but he's getting better every day he's getting better every day Brandon, Brandon Johnson y'all going y'all going to like private nation you're going to like him I mean he so how we talked about Luigi getting all the, all these loose balls add him to the mix he's one of those guys Brandon okay. Johnson listed 68210 so yep guy inside that can uh help you in there uh talking to Antoine Jackson today getting ready for some pirate basketball got a few minutes left uh with coach Jackson coach uh what what do you kind of finalize you're talking about roles and and defining roles on this team is that kind of what you're finalizing here as we get set to to get into november and get into real basketball like what are the emphasis on right now practice day in day out for you guys yeah definitely um at, at this point we've been practicing for so long i mean we started practice at you know the end of officially like the end of september first you know first couple of days of october Okay, back in the old days, you started October fifteenth. So it's, we've been gone. It, it's it's really long for the players, long for everybody. But at this point, you know, you're trying to figure out now. When, once we get to playing under a whistle, like you got to start to finalize. Like you know, not just who your starters are going to be, who's going your rotation is going to be. Yeah. You know, um, you know, are we going to be able to play? You know, nine to ten guys. You know. Um, I think the players dictate that. Um, it'd be nice to be able to play nine to ten guys. That way, you know, you're fresh, you know, um, and you don't necessarily have to depend on guys and wearing them out. But, like I said, the players dictate that. If You know, if everybody, you know, plays well, and then, you know, knowing their roles, you know, that's the other thing. You know, we still, you know, we're still figuring that out. And so is every other team in the country, for the most part, it's probably figuring the same thing out. Coach Dooley said you guys wanted to go fast. Part of that is is your defense, right? If you force a miss, you can get out and run. And it's hard to play fast when you're giving up points and taking the ball out. So if the guys want to play fast, they got to play defense, right? That's right. If if you can, you know, getting stops and and, and defensive rebounds. Um, when when you do that, yeah, you can run. But you're right. When when the ball's going through the basket and you're taking the ball out and you're playing against someone else's uh set defense, uh it's not you know, it's no more fast break. Yeah. So um the the ability to be able to get stops, defensive rebound, and you're playing against a, a unsettled broken floor, not playing against a set defense, yes, those enhance your chances of being able to play fast. Coach, a lot of people are curious about these uh, super secret scrimmages that are like <laughs> uh, we can't talk about. Uh, I know the Pirates have a, a couple, maybe already had one. I mean, any, I don't, anything you can give us out of that? <laughs> I don't want you to get in trouble. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to get get in, get in trouble. Uh, Were you pleased? <laughs> Is that a fair uh, question? Well, um, you Let know, I, 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 I was just going to be some some you know. 
it's like a good. real game like are you, is there a clock is there officials is it yeah so they're, they're all officials that you can do it however you want so um they're all officials okay um and and you know you'll play 40 minutes all right you can also if you want at the end if you want to do situations you can do it if you want to play an extra i don't know if you want to play an extra eight to ten minutes mm-hmm. to maybe get younger guys play or guys that didn't play as much you know more time and a chance to look at them you can do that and it really all depends on whatever the coaches uh agree to um but I mean, yeah, we saw some, you know, we saw some, you know, good. I mean, you also see a lot which you got to work on, um, and I think that's the, you know, the biggest thing is being able to now to, to play under, you know, under under a whistle, um, you know, referees because you know in, in practice, you know, we're 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 getting on the guys about playing hard and playing with toughness and not worrying about fouls and all that stuff. Well, like now, it's got to transition to like. This stuff is for real. Right. So, like, they're not going to let everything go, <laughs> okay? We're not referees, so I'm sure there are a lot of, you know, travels and, and fouls and things that go on that we don't always call, we don't always see. So, like, now it gets magnified. Yeah. Okay? But playing against – and I think it's exciting for our players to be able to play against other, you know – Definitely. Other people, um, you know, with, with not, not just against, you know, going against ourselves. Finally, Coach, we'll let you run, but the the COVID year, a lot was different, including recruiting, where you couldn't go out and, yeah. and see players and things like that. You're gearing up for this season, but how much uh, have you been able to do of that since the, the guidelines have eased off a little bit? And how much – I'm sure you guys uh, love to go out watch games and everything. How much uh, are you enjoying that? Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I mean, um, to go out – we started to go out during the summer. Yeah. So, uh, excuse me, being able to do that was, was – Great, being able to go back now into the high schools yeah. has been, um, you know, has been been refreshing. Um, you know, because we we basically went, you know, what sixteen to eighteen months without being able to do any of that. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's that's been great. I mean, I've been to high schools, been to a couple of, um, you know, junior college, you know, um, jamborees, to, you know, to see like a jamboree, you see a bunch of teams at once. So. Um, so being able to do that, like I said, has been awesome. Coach Jackson, we're looking forward to the season, man. Thank you for dropping by today, talking some Pirate basketball with us, and uh, we'll do it again down the road with you. Thanks for having me. Go Pirates. Yes, sir. There's Antoine Jackson joining us to kick off a Tuesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. We'll switch gears, talk a little Pirate football. When we return, Kevin Monroe joins us on the other side. We're back with you after this. to Hour 1 of Pirate Radio Live. Do you need custom t-shirts, apparel, or promotional items for your business, organization, or event? Keep it local. Print it local with University Sportswear. Contact them today at universitysportswearenc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Are you in outside sales and looking for an opportunity to increase your earning potential? Well, Copy Pro has been in Eastern North Carolina for over 45 years and continues to grow each year, and they are in need of more sales professionals with a desire to potentially make a six-figure income. 
Do you have what it takes? Visit copypro.net today to submit your resume and to learn more. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here's your host, Clip Rock. All right, busy edition of PRL today as we had a ton more guests to get to, including Marshall Lamb from the North Carolina Baseball Museum, a hot stove banquet going on in Wilson in November uh, with former Cardinals manager Mike Schilt as the uh, the speaker, the scheduled speaker. So we'll get all the details uh, with Marshall Lamb coming up. Uh, at 4 o'clock, Will Turner from Bulls 24-7 will join us to give us the scouting report on South Florida. Stephen Igo joins us later. Jeff Nadeau as well. We'll hear from Donnie Kirkpatrick. But right now, we will talk to former Pirate Panther color analyst on the Pirates uh, Learfield Network. He is Kevin Monroe, who joins us. And uh, last week, Kevin, you had some some voice issues. I think those spread through the phone, and I got them now. But, uh, man, I hope you're holding up okay today after what was a uh, a long, strange journey to Houston for you over the weekend. How you doing, man? Listen, I am doing much better. Uh, I, I tell you what, the the pregame, obviously, as you know, with the five-and-a-half-hour delay, got a little crazy because my man Jeff Charles had no problem just standing on the, on the uh, radio and just talking. <laughs> and I finally had to take the headsets off and say, Marty, you got it. I'm getting out of here because I won't make it to the end of the game if I stay on the, on the uh, radio. So, I took a break and was able to make it to the game, but yeah, it was rough. Yeah, when y'all got to the the travel and the buses and the planes, Kevin, I know you were about done with it. I listened to you guys for a while, uh, and and I sent you a, a text. Kudos for what you guys were doing. Uh, that was something that nobody had experienced before. And I asked Brian Bailey this yesterday. I asked you, Kevin, and part of it was spent on the air, as we all heard. But what do you do for five and hours and twenty minutes while you're waiting for a game? What did you do the other night? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was so much going on. Like you said, for a while we just kind of talked about random things, and then we did the interviews with the with uh, Coach Dooley and Coach Godwin, and uh, they, I think they played some of the Marshall game. But we were just up there kind of chilling. We were just sitting around. Uh, you know, we had already done all of our game studies, so there wasn't was much to do. So we we're just kind of hanging out in the press box, talking, messing around with our phones, just waiting for information. And uh, it was it wasn't coming very fast. So <clears throat> it was a tough it was a tough time just kind of sitting around waiting. The game itself, Kevin, another one of those that slipped away from the Pirates. Got to give them credit for the great comeback. Got to give the defense credit, obviously, for shutting out Houston in the second half. And they were flying around, Kevin. That was the best defensive performance I've seen that second half since probably go back to the, you know, Cotton and, and Bell and Eskridge in those days with the uh, the Skip Holtz teams in the late 2000s. But, uh, again, the Pirates unable to, to get it done at the end. A couple of offensive possessions late in the game to try to score, kick a field goal, win the game. They can't do it. They lose it in overtime, and you're just left with a uh, bad taste in your mouth like, like you were in Orlando and like you were here at home against South Carolina. Yeah, I would completely agree about the defense. I, I think it was the best defensive performance, certainly under Coach Houston in his three-year tenure uh, and, and Blake Harrell. I just think that they were lights out from – the defensive line, I mean, five sacks. We hadn't had five sacks in the game, and I don't know how long going back. Uh, those guys were just firing bullets left and right. The, the blitzes from the linebackers were landing home almost every time. Uh, the DBs, they weren't picking off passes the way they were in the past, but that's just because the, the quarterback was so was so rattled that he either was throwing to wide open guys or he was getting sacked or he was throwing it away. So I, I just love the defensive performance because uh, the fact that the, the offense really struggled uh, through most of the game they they kept the offense in the game, kept them in, within striking distance, and allowed them to be able to, to make the comeback there in the fourth quarter. Uh, not able to, to pull it out, but defensively, I, I'm just I'm so proud of that team defensively. I'm 
super excited about what they can do going forward. I just need the offense to catch up to them. No doubt. Kevin Monroe joining us. Kevin Jaquan McMillan had an interception, had it called back. It was a, uh, that they might've called pass interference. It looked like, uh, I think it was Saba grabbed a Jersey, a little ticky tack. And then how about the other play from your vantage point that a lot of pirate fans were talking about CJ Johnson practically punched during the play. I guess the ref saw it because he called, he threw the flag, called it on sportsmanlike conduct but he said it was after the play. Would have gave ECU a first down instead of its first down Houston. Uh, did you see that live from your vantage point, Kevin? Uh, and what were were you and Jeff uh, saying on the broadcast about that one? We actually didn't. We didn't see what was going on. We knew that there was some sort of personal foul after the fact, and Houston got the ball. Um, but we weren't sure, you know, what happened. It wasn't like there was any replay or anything of, of, of what was going on. So I didn't see that one. The, the pass interference call that was on Warren Say, but I think he panicked a little bit. And he kind of pushed the receiver. What he didn't realize is that Jaquan McMillan was coming underneath and was playing a great zone. Uh, and so the guy had kind of had Saber outflanked going to the corner of the end zone. But Jaquan McMillan was coming right underneath and was right there to make the play. And he picked it off and Saber just couldn't keep his hands off the receiver. So I think it was a good call. Uh, just unfortunate because it was unnecessary because McMillan was right there. Kevin Monroe joining us. Kevin, South Florida coming to town and feeling pretty good about themselves. They were able to knock off Temple the previous week. They are a young, uh, growing program with Jeff Scott as coach. Pirates are a 10-point favorite in this game, and uh, that is pretty shocking to see. East Carolina a double-digit favorite against the conference opponent, but, heck, that might be the case next week when they take on Temple as well. Um, Quick turnaround. Mike Houston and the coaches have a tough job this week, Kevin, of – getting these guys some rest after a they, they get home, you know, Sunday morning, but also uh, doing the, the proper preparation for another football game. Uh, so a, a tough week for the coaches, tough week for the players. Uh, what do you think about this quick turnaround the Pirates have? It'll be interesting. You know, from South Florida standpoint, you know, a lot of people are saying they're, they're kind of in a rebuilding phase and they're, they aren't that good. But South Florida, they're spinning it. They're saying different things. What they're saying is, hey, we played four top 25 teams in our first five games at state and Florida and BYU and SMU. Uh, you know, so they're saying, Hey, we, no matter how good we were, we probably wouldn't have done that well against those four opponents, but now things are, are, are getting back to normal. You know, they, they had a hard front battle against Tulsa only lost by one point. Then they beat temple by 20. So they're, you know, they're feeling pretty good about the way things are going. Matter of fact, they rushed for 400 yards, 421 yards. I think in their last game against temple. Uh, so the two running backs are running well. They're trying to get things going with the quarterback situation, uh, trying to play better defensively. So they, they feel like they're a pretty good team. They're just, they're just now getting a chance to, to play the schedule they're used to playing in conference and feeling better about things. And I think, you know, with the short turnaround, it's more of a scheme thing, you know, it, because what happens is usually you get to put in your, your defensive scheme and your offensive scheme on Sunday when the guys come back and they watch film, you start implementing things, and then you get more film study on Monday, you get out on the field and you start to, to implement it on the field. Same thing Tuesday. And then Wednesday, you kind of get a, a, a little bit of a mix, but you go back to, to doing what you want to do with your ones and going against the scout team offense, scout team defense. And then Thursday, you slow things down, and Friday's a walkthrough. And so that's kind of how it normally works, but you, you miss some of that implementation stuff now because the game is so quick. The guys didn't even get back till Sunday morning, so you don't want to do a whole lot on Sunday. You have to give them a day off in there somewhere. Uh, and so – that's the biggest thing. I'm not so worried about the guys and their legs and their, and their bodies. As long as they weren't injured going in, they'll bounce back by Thursday. They'll, they'll, you know, they're young kids. They'll be ready to go. It's just more about, hey, do we have the scheme implemented? Do the players know what's going on? Have they had a chance to do their film study? And that's the key. So 
uh, if the coaches are able to find a way to do that. And now everything's so, you know, technology-wise, the players have iPads. They, they can watch film in the dorm room or in their apartments. You know, we couldn't do that back in the day. So they're ahead of the game. They should be fine. But, yeah, you hate to see them play so quickly. But I'm not worried about their bodies bouncing back. Kevin Monroe joining us. Some good insight from the former player, KMO. Kevin, kind of a million-dollar question here. I mean, we've seen a big enough sample size now that this ECU offense can can score in spurts. They can also take entire quarters and halves off where they don't do anything moving the football. So uh, it has been a struggle. And you know, where do you where do you lay the blame? I mean, does it go with the the coordinator and, and the calls up top? Is it Hold Naylor's inability to move this offense as a quarterback? Is does it come down to him? not having as many options because the offensive line can't hold up. Like what what needs to change moving forward if the Pirates want to get to six wins and go to a bowl game this year on the offensive side? Well, you know, obviously the, the blame can go a little bit of everywhere. Uh, but the old saying goes, you know, the quarterback gets too much credit when things are going well and they get all the blame when things are going bad. And so I think that's what we're seeing a little bit of. And, and if the question, if the blanket question is, is, is uh, can, can Holt Naylor's do the job? Can he play the position? And the answer is yes. The problem is, can he do it consistently? Yeah. Can he come in game in and game out and play to that level that we saw him play two games ago? And so that's been the problem, and, and, and we don't know why. We don't know why when, it, when things break down, he won't just run, you know, and he'll force a pass in that he shouldn't force a pass or take a sack that he shouldn't take. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's asking him to be Superman. We just want him to make the easy play, you know, make the quick decision, take off running, make a quick throw, throw the ball away. And I think, you know, make the right check, get your offense in the right situation. And I think people are frustrated with that, um, you know, because he showed us as a freshman that he could get out there and, and beat teams and, and do well. And, and some people would just say that he hasn't progressed the way they thought he would. <clears throat> so does he get all the blame? Probably not. But it's just the fact that now this is year four and just people wanted to see more and, and they're not getting it. And so does that mean that the guy behind him is going to go out and do better? Maybe not. But if you're preparing for his career, if you're saying this is the guy for the future, at some point, he's got to play. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I don't, I don't doubt that that you know Holtman is the best person for the job as we stand. But you can't get any better sitting on the bench. So who knows what will happen if the other guy gets in? Kevin Monroe joining us on the Fixed NC Live Line. Always enjoy his insight, Kevin. Uh, every year around this time covering the team, I'd go out to practice and and ask the players one particular question on this week, and, and I was unable to talk to players this year. So I'm going to ask a former player, Kevin Monroe. Kevin, what uh, was your all-time best Halloween costume? <laughs> what you don't know about me is that I'm still evolving. Like, I I am, I am, dress up every year for Halloween <laughs> at my company, and I've had some great ones. I'm, I've been Mike Tyson. I've been Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, I've been MC Hammer. Um, I'll have to send you some pictures. Yeah. I, I, and I've, I've got a killer one coming up. I can't tell you what it's going to be, but I've got a killer one coming up. And I may I may hold off on it until I have the opportunity for everybody back in the office. Because right now we're a little sparse. I may, I may save it for next year. Wow. But uh, I love I love dressing up for Halloween. It's, it's kind of been my thing. And people are always excited to see what I wear next. Shirley, you need to hang out with Kevin. Shirley's kind of the only person excited about Halloween over here, Kevin. So it sounds like you need to hang out with him instead of us. Early. Well, yeah, definitely because at least he, you know, he sounds like he's way more fun on Halloween than you guys are. <laughs> definitely, I had no idea about this Kevin Monroe. So, Kevin, let's see some uh, pictures so I can put them out to everybody and uh, everybody can laugh at you. That's great. 
we'll, we'll pull out my Instagram. I, I usually put right. up on Instagram. So over the years, they probably I was I was Usain Bolt one year. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's great. Uh, Kevin, thanks, man. Have a great call Thursday and enjoy a uh, Saturday off, man. Listen, one thing you, you probably don't know about me is I spent five years of my childhood in Montgomery, Alabama. My father was stationed there in the Air Force. And so our, our, our vacation every year was Six Flags and Atlanta Braves baseball game. Oh, yeah. I, I love the Bravos. Let's we'll go. talk some Atlanta Braves baseball next time we talk. Yes, sir. All right. Game one tonight. Looking forward to it. We'll, uh, we'll talk some World Series next week when we join you. Thanks, Kevin. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Well, what a time for Kevin Rowe. Halloween week and Braves in the World Series and his Cowboys are in first place. He's living the dream right now. So does that make up for him being a Cowboys fan? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Usain sure. Bolt, Michael Jackson, that's Mike crazy. Tyson. They, like, that's insane. Like some guys, I would say more than 50% just be like, well, eh, one year I was Superman. And they're not that into it. But every now and then you get a Shirley Rhodes, a Billy Weaver – or who and knew, now a Kevin, Kevin Monroe, Monroe that are like super jacked up about Halloween. I love it. That's awesome. I mean, Halloween has always been my favorite, one of my favorite holidays, uh, you know, aside from Christmas, obviously. But I, I don't know why it is, but I just, I love the spookiness of Halloween and I really get into it. And of course, with my godson picking out my costume. That's like a tradition, it, right? What? For you two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been that way since he was about three years old. Uh, and you know, the deal was I, I tried to get him to wear a suit and he wouldn't let me dress him up in a suit. So I made a deal with him and he's nine now. And, uh, that, the deal has not changed. Well, part of it has, he doesn't wear a suit still, but, uh, but he still picks out my Halloween costume. So two years ago, Lily said, um, I remember it was Halloween. She said, I don't think I'm gonna dress up next year. I don't have the Halloween spirit anymore. Oh, it's very, uh, very sad. But I did see a picture of her earlier this week wearing some type of pumpkin get up. So maybe uh, she will do something on uh, Sunday. I mean, I'm going trick or treating with Jason on Sunday night. So you definitely you, need some candy. I will have plenty of it. Yeah, you know. But I mean, I'm I'm got my costume, and we're gonna go walk around town and and score some candy, and then I will do my annual inspection of candy that i want and he can have the rest <laughs> good plan <laughs> let me check all that for you do a little taste test all right let's take a time out we'll come back wrap up our number one more to go on pirate radio live on a tuesday back with you after this listening to hour one of pirate radio live do you need custom t-shirts apparel or promotional items for your business organization or event keep it local print it local with university sportswear contact them today at university sportswear enc.com now back to the show welcome back for the latest breaking news interesting stories and awesome contests that can make you a winner be sure to follow pirate radio on our social media you can follow us on facebook and instagram at pr927 fm if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at free PR927FM. 
Join the over 50,000 followers today. Now let's head back in the PRL. Here's Clip Rock. All right. The pictures are rolling in. Uh-oh. Charlie, this is good stuff here. I guess oh, no. this is, is that James Brown, I would imagine? <laughs> I don't know, but that's an outstanding suit. Kevin Monroe, who would have known? Wow. I'll post these on Twitter, but Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. These are incredible, man. Kevin said, I shouldn't have mentioned Instagram. I'm getting all these requests now. One of those is from Chandler. <laughs> it's from me. <laughs> so now Kevin's Instagram, he's going to be like trending on Instagram. Um, uh, good. Uh, so Kevin Monroe, big Halloween guy. We'll, uh, I'll put out these pictures so people can see him on Twitter. Uh, Redbeard says, is Billy Weaver going as John Cena for Halloween since we can't see him on the fifth quarter? That's uh, that's a good one, Redbeard. I like that one guy that called in and asked where Weaver was, and you said he wasn't here, and you said something about he has it in his contract that he doesn't show up after midnight, and he just went, <laughs> rookie. Rookie. <laughs> rookie. He's like a gremlin. Can't yeah, feed, him, can't after feed him after midnight. We also created a monster. Uh, Robert says the fifth quarter call-in show. We're here until the last teat is sucked. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I think I saw Steve say trick or teat. He did. Yeah, a lot of teat talk going on. Lot, welcome to my teat talk. So, uh, guys, let's be adults about this, okay? All right. Let's behave. Let's, let's, let's behave. Oh, behave. Oh, behave. Uh, I did not watch Manny Night Football last night. I did. I didn't either. With Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> Hold on. Chandler and I, this is our favorite thing. We didn't watch it. Shirley did. Well, I didn't watch all of it, but yeah. I watched uh, some of the segment with uh, Marshawn Lynch. So he said a bad word like I did. Oh, uh, he said Twice. several. He said several bad words, actually. Yeah, he went F word, too. Yeah, and yeah. he also said the S word. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that uh, I think it was uh, Eli that had brought up the notion that when he played, he would take a shot and a half of Hennessy before the game. <laughs> to kind of just get him ready for the game and he said he's like so where are you right now and he's like shoot he's like i'm three shots in before i even showed up with you guys i mean he was just as laid back as he could possibly be it That's was actually it how was i high, thought it would be it was highly entertaining i hate that i missed sue bird but i couldn't stay up till the third quarter um because the game in the game was a snoozer yeah. but to watch it's a good thing they have manning night football yes, because the game it was, was awful yeah the game was awful by the way, I tweeted it out. Uh, I stepped in gum yesterday for the first time in forever. And I think credit to society, we were doing a better job of not littering, uh, particularly not littering gum. Like, I feel like there's less gum. They're around. under uh, school desks. They still could be there, perhaps. But I stepped in gum yesterday. Okay. I took that as a sign because I was, and when I looked at the matchup, Saints, Seahawks. Sean Payton, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is a major, and you saw it last night in the rain, gum chomper. Just mm-hmm. nonstop, just gum all out his mouth, and you know, all over the place. And I said, All right, I'm taking that as a sign from the football gods to take Seahawks plus four. And they lost by three. That's a winner. Wow. That's a winner. So there you uh, go. all I've, right. I've been kind of just looking around my surroundings today, looking for signs. I haven't seen anything yet. That's actually a cool, neat, neat story. story. Thank you. 
Um, why didn't you? What did you watch? Cool, last? neat story. Thanks, Joe. What did you watch last? I last? watched the Hornets lose in overtime oh, to the Boston man. Celtics. Yeah. Hornets undefeated season comes to an end. The Hurricanes undefeated season rolls on. They keep winning. Were, were you aware of this clip, Brock, that when we beat the Nets on Sunday to go to 3-0, and it was the first time in franchise history that the Bugs went 3-0? and The stats to consider. Kind of sad, right? It is very sad. I was very surprised to see that, that we didn't at least start the season in since 89, I guess, 88. We need that to we haven't that. gone three zero. We need to change that to sad stat to consider. Sad and depressed. <laughs> uh, here's a. Uh, this is more of a factoid to ponder upon. Factoid to ponder upon. Tonight you'll see two Snickers. Brian Snicker, the manager of the Atlanta Braves, will be coaching Atlanta in the World Series. His son is a hitting coach, Troy Snitker, for the Astros. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> Neat. Story. Thank Factoid. you. Uh, what else is going on tonight on the, uh, probably not a lot. Of well, a- um, if you're a big soccer fan like I am, Carly Lloyd is uh, hanging up her cleats, and tonight will be her final game. They're She's going to throw them on the uh, power line. Uh, after the game. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, she will be making her final appearance. I think they're playing Korea. Is this a friendly? It is a friendly. All right. Uh, but it'll be her uh, final game um, as a national team member. She is retiring. So retiring from soccer altogether, not just uh, – uh, the national team, but she's also uh, retiring from her club team. Okay. So you've got that, and that uh, that kicks off at the same time as Game One in the World Series. So I'm going to be flipping back and forth. Minute Maid Park is the scene at 8:09 tonight on Fox. I still uh, can't completely grasp what's happening. I don't know if it's hit me yet. Maybe it will when I turn it on tonight. Uh, so Braves Astros game one NBA Sixers Knicks yeah Lakers Spurs Nuggets Jazz Nuggets lost last night to the lowly Cavs Lori Markkinen with a poster on the Joker there was a lot of posters last night oh including Miles Bridges I love Miles Bridges after the game he got a poster dunk from Jalen Brown and he said I'm going to jump every time like you know, yeah i don't care if i get dunked on he tweeted yeah especially yeah, that. uh, that's easy for him to say since he dunks on everybody yeah you know if he didn't dunk, he's on the other end of the spectrum in that situation though. yeah i mean he's compiled more posters of other guys than posters have been made right. of him getting dunked on right he had a big dunk last night which by the way it's still a phrase like put him on a poster or posterize put him on a poster are posters still a thing like a poster? They're like everything's digital now. Like a poster you put on your wall? Do people still get posters? Do uh, kids get posters? They go to Walmart, they still sell po- posters. They still sell posters. Uh, it's not as prevalent as it used to Do be. they still have the thing where you like flip through them? Yep. Oh, I love yes. that. Yes. Uh, yeah, Walmart. I still I still stop right, and flip Chandler. through. We get it, Bruno Mark. You're a big Walmart <laughs> guy. <laughs> you can get $12 nice dress shoes and a poster. And a poster, baby. <laughs> Come on. Uh, at Walmart. You, know? you ever heard of it? Little store down Bruno, the road. They sell Bruno Marks. Yeah. I always stop and look through. I used um, to go to the fish to... tanks in Walmart. 
You know, they sell oh, the fish tanks. Oh, that's right. That's right. I was going to say fish tanks. You used yeah. to go to them and watch the fish. <laughs> <laughs> the mom and dad say, come on, we're going to the zoo. They take me no to Walmart. No one good will, I won't go and get a fish they that day. Take me to Walmart to look at the fish. Yeah, man. <laughs> that is a cool, neat story. Yeah, man. It says a lot about Chandler's uh, childhood. All right, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back when we return. We will talk to Marshall Lamb from the North Carolina Baseball Museum. They have a hot stove banquet coming up. And uh, a lot of other things going on. I don't know much about the North Carolina Baseball Museum. So we'll talk about what it's all about. Give you all the details on that. The banquet, golf tournament, a lot going on. We got that. We got Will Turner from Bulls 24-7. And Jeff Nadeau in a busy hour number two of Pirate Radio Live. And it is on the way after this. to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Save lives, be a hero, and make $700 your very first month donating plasma at Griffles Biomat USA. It's the easiest way to make extra money. Start now at Biomat USA on 505 South Memorial Drive. Make up to $700 in a month and save lives now at Griffles Biomat USA. A better donor experience and better pay. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, Eastern North Carolina's choice for window tinting signs graphics wraps graphic design and more is signs and tent be sure to stop by their office at 801 staten road in greenville or you can book an appointment online at signsandtent.com now let's head back into prl here's clip brock all righty back with you busy hour number two on tap on today's edition of pirate radio live we'll talk to will turner from bulls 24 7 sports get a scouting report on south florida as they'll be in greenville coming up on thursday night also the big man on campus will get his thoughts on the line of that game east carolina now a 10 point favorite double digit favorite against south florida a little surprised he got that high we'll see what jeff nadu has to say at 445 steven igo joins us later on the program as well but right now we'll head out to the fixed nc live line we'll talk some baseball as the World Series is tonight, my Braves taking on the Astros and some hot stove action going on in November. We'll talk about it now with Marshall Lamb with the North Carolina Baseball Museum as he joins us today on Pirate Radio Live. Marshall, thank you for your time. How you doing? Well, good to be with you, Cliff. I'm, uh, I'm a big, big fan of the show and uh, uh, happy to be on to talk some uh, baseball history. Yeah, we appreciate it. So let's get uh, right to the who, what, when, where, why, Marshall, of the North Carolina Baseball Museum. For people that don't know, uh, give us the, the background, the history of the NC Baseball Museum, starting with where uh, is it located? Uh, we are located in historic Fleming Stadium here in Wilson. Uh, we have been open since 2004. Uh, we are a product of our local hot stove league chapter, and we had some very enthusiastic local individuals who looked around at the, the landscape and said, we don't, we don't have anything really recognizing uh, the, the, the rich, rich heritage and history of the sport as it pertains to North Carolina. So they created this museum, and 
we uh, we held this the, the hot stove banquet every year, not just to to, to raise money for the museum, but to to actively recognize uh, people from North Carolina in the sport. And we've had some some wonderful award winners, and we've had some wonderful guests over the years. And the, uh, the you know, the, just the legendary names uh, that go through that have gone through the state of North Carolina in uh, in baseball is, is countless, uh, Marshall. And uh, and and who are some of those names? Let's talk. I mean, going back to what Babe Ruth, right? Uh, here has a, I guess, connection here to North Carolina. So, what are some of the the uh, the items, the memories, the the stories told there in that North Carolina history of baseball museum? So as you know, we, we are the largest state in the country to not have a major league franchise, but that doesn't uh, mean that we don't have a, a deep history. We have a lot of uh, minor league teams. We've had many of them over the years. We have a number of really good college baseball teams, uh, you know, not playing any favorites there. <laughs> uh, we have some, some great uh, uh, high school teams as well. And we've, we've seen a number of people, uh, come through the state at all sorts, uh, various levels who have, have, you know, greatly contributed to, to, to the story of the sport, uh, both in North Carolina and, and throughout the game in general. Um, Josh Hamilton, uh, Rod Carew, in fact, was a, uh, came up through the twins organization. Um, he actually played here in the stadium in 1966. Uh, we've also seen uh, guys like Pete Rose, Carl Yastrzemski come through the various Carolina minor leagues. And uh, if you look at the, the history of, you know, East Carolina or North Carolina state, I, I hate to mention that on, on this radio show, but uh, you know, there's some, there's some great names and a, and a couple of those, those great names uh, we've given to some awards in, in the past. There's, there's a number of uh, award winners from our banquet that uh, your listeners would be very familiar with. Uh, Seth Manis, Parker Lamb, Spencer Brickhouse, Jeff Hoffman. And then, of course, this year we're giving uh, our uh, pitching award to Gavin Williams and our Trot Nixon award to Bryson Worrell. So we, we look forward to, to Coach Godwin uh, uh, bringing them to, to our banquet and, you know, sort of, you know, we have an, one eye on the past and one eye on the future. Marshall Lamb joining us. Uh, let's get some details on the banquet that is scheduled for uh, the 9th of November, Tuesday, November 9th. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, the banquet is going to take place at the Wilson Recreation Center uh, on Sunset Avenue, uh, Tuesday, November 9th at 6 p.m. Uh, we also have a uh, social event that afternoon at the museum, which is located in Fleming Stadium at uh, 300 Stadium Street in Wilson. Uh, that social event will take place from uh, 4 to 5.30. That's also uh, an excellent time to uh, meet some of our guests, including our keynote speaker, uh, get some autographs, and uh, start looking at the items that we'll have in our uh, fundraising auction. And uh, if people want to attend, uh, Marshall, what do they need to do to make sure they're able to uh, attend the banquet this year? So all you have to do is uh, buy tickets. Uh, we sell them here at the museum. Uh, they're available at a number of locations throughout Wilson, Earl Boykin Sports, uh, Dick's Hot Dog Stand, and A-plus Graphics. And we will also be selling tickets at the door of the event. And, uh, and once again, Marshall, what, uh, you know, what is uh, transpiring at the event that, that people can uh, be excited about this year? So it's, 
it's a, a couple of hours of really good food. We're going to have uh, a, a barbecue dinner catered by uh, Parker's Barbecue from here in Wilson. Uh, we are going to have a variety of uh, award presentations. We're going to have folks from uh, various minor leagues and colleges from around the area who are going to talk about their teams a little bit and what their expectations are for either the upcoming season or in the case of the colleges, uh, um, you know, how, how they've been, they've been doing last year and this year. Um, we're going to have uh, Coach Godwin from East Carolina. We're going to have the coach from Mount Olive, from Barton. Uh, we're going to have folks from the Mudcats, uh, folks from our own local Wilson Tobbs. Uh, we're also going to give away some awards, and then we'll have uh, our keynote speaker, um, Mike Schilt, who was until recently the <laughs> the manager of the Cardinals, and he's going to talk a little bit about his experience uh, in the sport and uh, likely uh, do a little bit of uh, question and answer with the uh, audience. Yeah, and uh, and that that was a, a well, not even a bit of a shocker, a, a huge shocker, the way the Cardinals played down the stretch and and by the time this banquet goes on who knows mike shield could have another managerial job i don't think he's going to stay uh jobless for a long time marshall i i don't think so and and that that's what we were a little bit worried about was we were he he was he was very quick to get in touch with us and uh both he and and his family have been absolutely wonderful about this this is definitely not the curveball that you you want to deal with when you're getting ready to 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 speak like this, yeah. you know, the, the other thing we're worried about is, yes, if, if suddenly a team says, we'd like to hire you, we need you to come up tomorrow. But, you know, that's if, if six different major league teams are knocking on your door, you're doing something right. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about it. Talk to Marshall Lamb on the Fixed NC Live Line. So uh, NC Baseball Museum, uh, also the banquet coming up, Hot Stove Banquet on November 9th, and also uh, some plans for some stuff you got going on uh, early 2022, uh, Marshall, including a golf tournament and uh, and something neat coming to Pirate Fest, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, several years ago, we started uh, working on the idea of a traveling exhibit because while we absolutely love for everyone to come and see the museum, uh, if you not everyone has heard of us, uh, you know, not everyone knows that we're here. So we've put together a traveling exhibit that can go to outdoor festivals, to uh, minor league or college games. And we were talking to the wonderful people that uh, run Pirate Fest a couple of years ago, and we were all set to go out there in April of 2020. And it was going to be our, our first year there. And, well, <laughs> it's, 2020, it's, it's almost 2022, and we're, we're, we're excited to finally get out there. Uh, so we should be out there, I believe it's Saturday, April the 9th. And then uh, sometime in May, we're going to have our celebrity golf tournament in Wilson at uh, Wedgwood Golf Course. And we don't have a date finalized for that yet, but for all of the events that we're going to or for whatever we're doing at the museum, uh, you can get in touch with us in a number of different ways. Uh, we have our website, ncbaseballmuseum.com. On Facebook, we are the NC Baseball Museum. And on Twitter, we are at NC Baseball Museum. Awesome. So a lot of different ways to uh, to learn more. And, uh, man, I got to get over there and uh, check that out, Marshall. That's some great stuff. Uh, and we'll run over one more time all the details for what's coming up. But uh, I do want to ask you this, too, being uh, such a baseball guy, uh, do you have a prediction for the 2021 World Series? What's going to happen between the Astros and Braves this year? 
I, I really wish you hadn't asked me that. Uh, I, I, I have I have been trying not to say brazen brazen six out loud because six <laughs> out loud something's going to happen. You know, it's it's been a long time. It's it's been since ninety five. Yep. I, I think we have a good chance this year, but please don't make me be the reason that we jinxed this. <laughs> yeah, I'm superstitious as well. I'm going to say your prediction will not have an impact on this game although we always look for a scapegoat marshall so i don't know it could be you at the end of this thing uh but no i'm excited first time uh since 99 in the world series looking to win it for the first time since uh marquise grissom caught the fly ball and the braves won it over the indians uh, a long long time ago all right before we let you go marshall one more time uh if people want to check out the uh the banquet coming up on november 9th how do they go about doing that uh, you could purchase tickets at here at the museum, uh, at Earl Boykin Sports, at Dick's Hot Dog Stand, and at A-plus Graphics, or at the door of the event. Uh, if you need any further details, you can check us out on our website at ncbaseballmuseum.com, on Facebook at the NC Baseball Museum, or on Twitter at NC Baseball Museum. Marshall, uh, thanks so much. We'll keep in touch. We'll do this again and uh, and talk more about the North Carolina Baseball Museum right there at historic Fleming Stadium in Wilson. And I uh, appreciate your time today, and uh, we'll do it again down the road. Thank you so much, Flip, and go Braves. Yes, sir. Go Braves. There is Marshall Lamb, uh, another Bravos fan, joining us here today on Pirate Radio Live. That's pretty neat. Uh, Wide Awake Wilson, Shirley Rhodes, the uh, North Carolina baseball museum and uh my old stomping grounds that's right and i will be returning there this weekend oh wow are they uh what are you in a parade are they throwing you a party (laughs) no no barton is having their coming home i'm coming home is homecoming and they are going to be playing bluefield state and i will be attending my very first barton college football game because they started playing was it last year during covid or was it the previous year uh, I can't. I think it was the previous year. But either way, you don't get a lot of but Saturdays there were, free. There were, yeah, and so. I don't get a lot of Saturdays free, and it just so happens that's awesome that this Saturday, since we obviously have a Thursday night game, uh, this Saturday uh, I don't have anything to do. I have something to do that morning, but uh, the game's not till two o'clock, so I'm, it's not a short drive to Wilson. Two I'm o'clock. Check it out. So Shirley will kick off at ten a.m. Uh, doing the four-hour pregame, and then take your calls after Barton. No, because I'll at ten a.m. I'll be DJing an event over in Farmville. So DJ Shirley. DJ Shirley. We are doing. What is the name? And of that? she's forgot the event. Uh, no, it's uh, paint the pink. I can't remember if it's the oh paint the walk, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> I'll go back and check it. Oh, I'm, oh my yeah. gosh, my friends are going to be furious with me that I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head. Uh, you've been fired from this event. They're uh, going to go. In different no, they can't fire me. They've already paid me. Um, so well, uh, <laughs> what a mistake. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, guys. Um, no, uh, it is a walk to benefit. Uh, it's a breast cancer awareness walk, and we're going to be kicking it off at nine o'clock on that Saturday morning. And I'll be out there DJing the event, and uh, and then right after that, I'll be packing up my stuff and then uh, heading over to Wide Awake. Can right. you play some Pooh Shiesty for me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did not make that the is, cut. No, that is not on the playlist. Dang it. Uh, I'm doing a free Pooh Shiesty event <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Tim Tebow's going to be there. <laughs> 
no. People ask me all the time, who is Pooh Shiesty? I say, I don't know, but we got to free this guy. <laughs> okay. What did he do? I don't know. Uh, I have not a clue. It's Pink the Ville. That's the name oh, of the... Oh, not Paint the Pink. Paint the Pink. is Pink the Ville. Pink the Ville. Yes. That's okay. the name of the event. All right. It's for... We're all wearing pink. PTV. And there's going to be a raffle and all sorts of vendors out there and i'm going to be out there spinning some tunes pink is uh steven tyler's favorite color why yes yes it is all right let's take a time out we'll come back when we return we'll talk to will turner he is the steven Iga of usf works with bulls 24 7 what do we need to know about South Florida's offense, defense, special teams? Wait, wasn't he wasn't he in a movie? Yeah, that sounds like a very familiar. Is it like Pirates? Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his name was uh, William Will Turner. Turner. Will Turner. Mister Turner. He's the son of Bootstrap Bill. <laughs> All right, you know what I'm talking about. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just it was, I just had that random thought. That's the guy we'll talk to after this. Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Save lives, be a hero, and make $700 your very first month donating plasma at Griffles Biomat USA. It's the easiest way to make extra money. Start now at Biomat USA on 505 South Memorial Drive. Make up to $700 in a month and save lives now at Griffles Biomat USA. A better donor experience and better pay. Now, back to the show. Welcome back from Sales to Service, Greenville Auto World has all of your vehicle needs covered shop all of their inventory now at greenvilleautoworld.net if you're also looking for someone to service your vehicle they have a full service and repair facility uh, brakes oil changes tires inspections and they can repair any kind of vehicle greenville auto world across from speedway at bell's fork and online at greenvilleautoworld.net thanks to tim sutton and jim rogers for their sponsorship of the program now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Rock. All righty, back with you on Pirate Radio Live here on a Tuesday. Stephen Igo will join us later. Igo and I make our picks every week. And last week we had USF and Temple on the card. And I took Temple because they had, you know, won a conference game, beaten an FBS team. Igo took South Florida. And Igo was right because the Bulls dominated that game 34 to 14 down at Raymond James Stadium. So South Florida playing with a little confidence as they head into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on Thursday night. Let's learn more about the Bulls as we talk to Will Turner from Bulls 24 7. He joins us on the Fixed NC Live line. Will, how you doing today, man? I'm good. How about yourself? I got my fried okra ready for you, brother. <laughs> All right. Grab the fried okra and let's talk some football. Will, uh, man, what happened in that game on Saturday? 34-14. to 14. That's uh, South Florida's second win of the season, first over an FBS team, and uh, had uh, the folks feeling good down there, at least for one Saturday. Yeah, absolutely not. They just they played big boy football is what they called it between – uh, rushing for for program record 421 yards, holding the ball for program record 44 minutes and 35 seconds. 
Uh, they controlled the clock. They controlled the game. The defense played probably their best game of the season so far, which uh, wasn't you know necessarily hard to do since Temple only ran 34 plays. But uh, when the defense was on the field, they did a good job of of getting the Owls off of it. So uh, yeah, all around it was a it was a pretty solid game. It looks like it could have gotten away from USF pretty early. Uh, there was an early 10 point swing in the first quarter uh, that ends up going the Bulls' way. Uh, they miss a field goal on a box snap, and uh, one of Temple's guys picks it up, runs it all the way down the field. But Chris Carter, backup tight end from from Homestead, Florida, down in the Miami area, runs 21.12 miles per hour at <laughs> one point to, to hawk this guy down from behind, uh, stop him at the five yard line, and ultimately USF gets an interception out of it. Mikhail Point takes off. Juwan Mathis uh, looking for a touchdown pass there. So that's a big 10-point swing right there. You know, you keep seven off the board uh, after you were supposed to get three on the other end. So uh, USF then just pounded the rock, and, and that's what they uh, that's what they hoped to do against Temple. They, they saw that Temple couldn't stop the run, and between Jaron Mangum, Kelly Joyner, and Brian Petit, they just they racked up the yards. I mean, almost six yards of carry for – uh, nine in Joiner's case, but six yards to carry for the other two. Just, just pure dominance uh, in the trenches. Uh, Will, that is great that you brought up that play. I mean, that shows right there that the, the team hasn't quit. Those hustle plays like that, especially in a one and five season. Maybe you're worried about things going south. Guys packing it in. It doesn't appear that's the case when you you get plays like that, and it turns into positivity uh for your team so uh i guess uh everybody still bought in down there to, to jeff scott and uh are gonna play this thing out and heck try to try to reel off a few wins and and who knows maybe try to get to six wins this year yeah it, ironically enough it's it's still they're still not mathematically out of it since they have five losses uh you know they they've got a, a pretty tough schedule though to, to finish off the year um but you know some winnable games uh, after after what we saw against Temple, you know, after ECU, obviously, uh, you've got uh, Houston for homecoming, and then uh, Cincinnati after that huh. uh, to, uh, to finish off the home schedule. Then Tulane and UCS. So I mean, if you go four and one in this stretch with your with your only loss to Cincinnati, uh, you're you're in a bowl game. So yeah, it's it's kind of wild considering a one and five start. But you look at those teams that USF lost, not one and five start. I mean, all four of them, except for or all five of them, except for Florida A and M, were ranked at some point in time this season. NC State before they they lost to Miami, Florida before they kind of uh, you know lost a few games there uh, to Kentucky and a few others. BYU is still ranked at this time. I think SMU still ranked at this time. Uh, so they were the only team in the country through five weeks to play five, uh, to play four teams in the AP top twenty-five at that point. So. You know, there might be two and five, but they've played four really, really good ball clubs in SMU, BYU, Florida, and uh, NC State. Will Turner joining us with a breakdown of the South Florida Bulls. It'll be Pirates and Bulls coming up Thursday night, 7.30, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Our pregame coverage begins 3.30 on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. Will, um, let's talk about the South Florida offense. Who are the players to watch? Uh, and we'll start uh, the quarterback position. Yeah, for sure. Looks like, uh, you know, Timmy McLean is, has taken over the starting spot. True freshman out of Seminole uh, High School, which is near Orlando. Uh, comes from a winning program, led them to an undefeated Class 8A state championship last year. 
and, and they don't win it without them. A day is Florida's largest classification, so a lot of talent in that classification there. Uh, that classification's always wide open. So they bring him in there. Um, he, he plays a little bit at NC State, plays a little bit against Florida, gets his first start against Florida A&M, and, and has take, taken it by storm. Uh, there's a little concern. He I think he tweaked his ankle against Temple on, on Saturday night, so there's a little bit of concern uh, this week. They're trying to keep him limited in practice to see if he'll be ready to go for Thursday night. Uh, if he does not go, it'll be Travis Marsh, uh, COVID year freshman, kind of what I'm calling him, was on the roster last year. Uh, he is a is a COVID year freshman from Miami Central, one of the most winningest programs in Florida history. So, uh, again, you've got two two winning quarterbacks uh, right there. But could Travis Marsh played a little bit last year, struggled against Cincinnati in his first start, um, but bounced back. He's got really good. He's got probably the best arm talent of any quarterback on that roster. Throws a deep ball really well. Uh, he's just got to be a little bit more accurate. Once he's uh, once he figures that out, he could be really, really solid behind McLean. He was four seven against Temple for for twenty five yards. So uh, still still remains to be seen. But it looks like uh, either either one McLean or Marsh should be able to lead the Bulls to some success on, on Saturday from the quarterback spot. And will before we get to the skill guys, I, I want to make sure am I am I looking at the stats right? Does South Florida have two passing touchdowns in twenty twenty one? Is that right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that they had one passing touchdown against Temple uh, from McLean to, uh, to Demarcus Gregory, I think, in the second quarter. And uh, yeah, but you look at the rushing touchdowns clip, and they've got uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, they've got twelve. I mean, or they got at least twelve because Jaron Mangum has twelve. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> it almost looks like uh, I'm looking at Navy stats. And they're running the ball. Yeah, it's like a, a triple option team. Uh, yeah, Mangum with twelve touchdowns alone. Uh, this season and you've got uh, some others thrown in for a total of 16 so uh south florida i guess it's fair to say they want to come in and establish a run on thursday night yeah which is weird because because at the beginning of the season they were trying to throw the ball around they thought they were that's what they were going to be able to do but now nah, the running backs have came on strong jaron mangs the colorado transfer that's had a really nice season so far obviously 12 touchdowns you know the first few games he was money inside of 10 yards, but kind of was struggling in, in, on other part, kind of in the middle part of the field, but started to get some, some good momentum and, and some, some wiggle in between the, in between the tens and uh, had a career day against Temple. Uh, Kelly Joyner kind of got lost in the rotation a little bit. He was uh, USF's leading rusher, uh, I want to say two seasons ago. And, you know, he, he played he played really well. And that was his best game of the season, without a doubt. So kind of showing what he could do. And then uh, Brian Batee had a 100-yard game against Florida A&M and had a 100-yard kick return against Tulsa. So they've got three really good backs. And, uh, you know, Mangum's your, your power guy. And then you got two speed guys in, in Joyner and Batee. And then even you look down the depth chart at Darian Felix, who's a former Oregon Duck. I mean, you've got a guy that, that, that played – uh, under Willie Taggart over at Oregon and, and, and has had some good success. A uh, guy that from, from right down the road at Fort Myers. Um, so you got four really, really good backs right there for USF. And uh, that looks to, might, it might be their identity coming down to the season with how well the offensive line has played in the run block. Pirates definitely want to try to run the ball as well on Thursday night with their backs, Rajay Harris and Keaton Mitchell. How about the South Florida defense? Will, what's the uh, the strength of the Bulls defense? Well, uh, it, it's been hit or miss. Um, you know, when they're when they're playing well, 
they're forcing turnovers. And when they're playing well, they're 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 getting pressure on a quarterback and they're forcing turnovers. That's the biggest thing is is uh you know against Temple was the first time we really got a chance and, and parts of the Tulsa game for that matter was the first time we really got to see this defense start to shine. Uh Glenn Spencer, the former Florida Atlantic slash Oklahoma State, spent some time at Georgia Tech. Uh, he's been around college football for a long time. He, he typically likes to run a three-three-five. They have switched to a little bit more of a four-man front here and there to try and get some more speed on a field and pass rush. Tremel Logan's been a big part of that. Uh, and they've got four super senior defensive tackles in Kevin Kegler, Kelvin Pinkney, Blake Green, and Thad Mangum. And the first three have been on the roster for the last four or five years themselves. So, um, you know, you've got, you've, you've got a lot of experience up front. And uh, when USF is playing well, they're they're creating turnovers. That's the biggest thing. Is is uh, Dwayne Boyles and, and Antonio Greer have had interceptions or fumble recoveries in each of the last three games uh, for USF. So the, the biggest thing for them is they gotta they gotta put pressure on the quarterback and they gotta force mistakes. Um, their secondary has been a little bit depleted. Had some injuries back there. Uh, Christian Williams played his first game in six weeks. Uh, Miami transfer, uh, Kansas State transfer. Will Jones was out. Uh, before the season started and hasn't played a snap in a USF uniform. Rutgers transfer TJ Robinson missed a couple of games. True freshman Jalen Herring missed a couple of games. So uh, a lot of miss, uh, a lot of mixing and matching on the back end. Um, but you know when they're when, when that defense is playing well, they're creating turnovers and they're creating havoc. Will Turner joining us to be East Carolina and South Florida going at it Thursday night seven thirty ESPN. If you're not at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, and you can check out our Bud Light pregame tailgate at 3.30 postgame after the game, uh, Will South Florida has seen both sides of the coin uh, moving to the Big East, getting that bump. Things were going great with Levitt, top 10, top 5, uh, whatever it was. We don't need to rehash the entire history there. Uh, but this time, uh, UCF gets the call. South Florida left out, so... We can uh, commiserate with you there, Will. What's the uh, the talk about conference realignment right now amongst the South Florida folks? Yeah, so it, first of all, it was number two because USF fans will make sure you get it right. <laughs> so, <laughs> not so. So the program program's had a lot of success in, in twenty five years. Obviously, this recent stretch doesn't show the success that they've had in the in the twenty five years of, of their history. Uh, you know, with Levitt and, and even Willie Taggart back, uh, um, you know, from, from 2015 to 2017, uh, you know, that first year, Charlie Strong. But, I, you know, I think a lot of folks are – I think Charlie Strong did a lot more damage to this program than what meets the eye simply because of the fact that, um, you know, the roster was, was held in a very rough state in terms of, you know uh, – Jeff Scott had to bring a lot of transfers in uh, to to kind of change the culture a little bit. Needed a complete uh, culture change, in honesty, complete 180 uh, in, in in what they were trying to do. Uh, the, the, and, and of course, the facilities behind. I mean, I know East Carolina has to deal with this too. There's no YPS at USF, you know, and, and uh, they just broke ground or had a groundbreaking ceremony and told the die won't be started until November, uh, but they're, they're finally getting an IPF, which is going to be huge, especially down in Florida where it rains, uh, you know, like clockwork or clock <laughs> yeah. in the summertime. Um, you know, it, 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 it's needed. 
You know, these guys had to move practice to evening suite to get ready for ECU. It's been raining during the morning. So, you know, if they have an IPF, that, that takes away that takes away all those problems. And then you know, try to build an on-campus stadium. And, and except for those ECU fans that have been to campus, to, that have been to campus um, it's kind of a condensed campus. It's within a couple city blocks and, and Temple Terrace, which is, you know, 20 minutes more to downtown Tampa, and it's about 15 minutes down to Raymond James, so on, on a good day down to 275. But, you know, they're just trying to build an off-campus stadium, and there's a lot of things that go alongside with that, and I think that's ultimately going to help uh, USF in terms of any future conference realignment. But I think USF uh, ultimately right now, they don't deserve to go to the Big 12 the way they played football over the last three, four years. I mean, yeah. it's just it's, it's that simple. You know, they they're not they're not going to want a team with USF record. Um, you know, if, if if this happens in 15 to 17 or any time through that, USF is back on the upswing and yeah. UCF is is going winless. Now, I think the, I think it flips. I think USF would end up in the Big 12 as opposed to as opposed to UCF, but. That's a what if kind of kind of kind of mentality, but you know, it sucks for for USF fans. They're upset, um, but really, you know, a lot of these a lot of these people are a lot of the athletic folks that are in the department now are are really looking towards the future as opposed to looking back in the rearview mirror, which is just a great mentality to have what they're trying to do with with the athletic department. Yeah, that's all you can do. Talking to Will Turner from Bulls twenty four seven, you can. Uh, check out that site if you want to know your enemy as we head into Thursday night. Will, uh, great stuff, man. Appreciate you joining us today. We will check in with you again down the road, maybe talk some hoops here uh, in a couple months. Yeah, absolutely. Excited for it. I know uh, it'll be a completely different team when he lines it up in, uh, against USF on the basketball court on the men's side and then the women's course, the best teams in the country. So it'll be a fun fun couple of months here uh, here. For, uh, for both USF and ECU, I think. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Will, thanks so much, man. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Thank you, All right. There is Will Turner joining us. Um, Chandler, what's uh, what's it say on the video that you typed? Will Smith. Yeah. Can we show our guests some respect on this show? I just now noticed oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. I know Will Smith is the Braves closer. He's also the Dodgers catcher and, and Fresh Prince. An actor entertainer. Uh, but we were talking to Will Turner Why today. Why did I put Will Smith? Who, you were getting jiggy with it a few minutes ago, so maybe that's what it was. <laughs> now you put, okay, Will Turner. That looks a lot better. Bootstrap Bill. <laughs> um, so my apologies to the Turner family. My apologies as well. Thank you for apologizing will smith why was i thinking about will smith <laughs> sometimes will smith just goes through your brain oh my god i used to watch fresh prince a lot as a kid uh as did i and but i used to watch all the pirates of the caribbeans yeah and i, I i'm pretty sure i had a will turner action figure <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, that might be going a little too far <laughs> so there's no excuse of me not, not being able all. to think of will turner no excuses the son of bootstrap bill <laughs> you got the nephew of uncle phil up there not the son of bootstrap bill that That's is right true. how come he don't want me man all right how come he don't want me? 
let's uh take a break we'll come back we'll talk to jeff whoever chandler says jeff smith (laughs) jeff blouser former brave jeff francor frenchy uh we'll hear from jeff nadu the big man on campus what does he think about the line of this game east carolina minus 10 against south florida we'll discuss that and more when we return after this Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Save lives, be a hero, and make $700 your very first month donating plasma at Griffles Biomat USA. It's the easiest way to make extra money. Start now at Biomat USA on 505 South Memorial Drive. Make up to $700 in a month and save lives now at Griffles Biomat USA. A better donor experience and better pay. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Do you need custom t-shirts, apparel, or promotional items for your business, organization, or event? We'll keep it local and print it local with University Sportswear. Contact them today at universitysportswearenc.com, the official sportswear provider of Pirate Radio for 18 years. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Barat. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live here on a Tuesday. Let's wrap up our number two by talking some lines with the big man on campus jeff nadeau he joins us here on a tuesday edition of pirate radio live big man how you doing today doing well how are you clip hey doing all right uh we will get to college football in a moment jeff i know the last thing on your radar right now is major league baseball but my braves are in the world series so i'll get a gut reaction from you the uh Astros are minus 130 to win tonight, so they're a home favorite over the Braves for the series. Uh, Astros minus 140, Braves plus 120. Uh, Not a, you know, super disparity there between the two teams, but the Astros are the favorite. Uh, Any, uh, and I won't hold your feet to the fire on this because I know you haven't looked into it much, but any thoughts on the uh, World Series? Yeah, you know, I think really just looking at it from the outside, I, um, you know, especially for someone that, you know, is not, I'm not from Atlanta. I'm not from Houston. I I don't care about either team. It's a tough thing for me to want to sit down and watch or care about, you know, and I think, you know, you don't, you know, the Astros are interesting, but all due respect to Atlanta, you know, it's great that they're there, you know, props to them, but I think they're going to have a lot of trouble. I mean, you look at, it's not real easy facing not only the Dodgers, now you got to come back and face the Astros. We know how good uh, that offense is, but you know, they've done a great job, Atlanta. If you'd have told me they'd been in the World Series, I'd have told you you're crazy. Um, they're just on a great run right now, and sometimes you need a little magic. Um, you need all that kind of stuff to come together and it come at the right time. So uh, who am I to tell you they can't do it? But I just think that's really tough to have to face, you know, Correa and Altuve and Alvarez and Bregman and Gurriel and all these different guys. That's, that's just so tough to do, especially after you just fo- faced a team like the Dodgers. And you're able to beat them, but it's hard to do that stuff you know, in a row. Plus, Clip, we've seen it before with baseball and really in any sport. Sometimes a team, they're just happy to be there sometimes. They're just not really, they're not built to, to, to do that all. You know, the Ashers are a built team. They've been here before. Um, that's not to say that, you know, I mean, we look at the Rays. What was it last year? Um, just didn't have enough. We're really good, but just didn't have enough. So, yeah, I, I, I hear you. And, and I sit here and I think about how much I thought 
like the big bad Dodgers were was almost the end game. Like, can we get past the Dodgers? We did. I don't. I hope the team doesn't feel that way. But as a fan, I certainly feel that way. Like almost mission accomplished. But now you're right. You got a whole other series to go. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. That's a great way to kind of put it. Like you got. It's almost like the NCAA tournament. It's what makes it so hard to win, especially if you're like a you know a mid major or, or even you know a, a thirteen or fourteen team, something like that. You know, not only you know you might get to the Sweet Sixteen, but it's like wow, we still have like three more games to go. I mean, even just to get to the Final Four. So yeah, it's um it, it's a tall order, but um you know the Braves have a great lineup. They believe. I think they're going into it with the thought we can win. Um, so you know who am I to say it? But I would lean uh, Dodgers to get the job, or not the Tottenham beat the Dodgers. I would lean the Astros. I'm sorry, Jeff Nadeau joining us. Uh, quick turnaround for the Pirates, big man. As uh, I don't, a lot of fans don't care about this. Some do. They have covered in three straight games. Uh, they'll try to make it four in a row, and they'll try to uh, get off the schneid losing these games when they take on South Florida coming up Thursday night. The line is up to ten, total at fifty six and a half. A 10 is a little too rich for my blood, Jeff. I don't know. Uh, South Florida coming off a win against a bad Temple team, as you know, big man. But what do you think about the Pirates and Bulls coming up on Thursday night? Yeah, so pretty interesting clip. Um, ECU, not a team in a betting profile that I'm looking to lay points with. So when I talk about betting profiles, there are things that I want to do. So, for instance, with ECU, if I'm getting 10, uh, I'm getting 7, I'm getting 4, you know, I'll have interest. Maybe even lay a point or two. But I'm not laying 10. That's not a betting profile I want to lay. You look at the last 10 as a favorite. ECU's 3-7 and seven against the spread. Huh. I mean, this is a team that I had trouble with Charleston Southern this year, as you know. This is a team that sometimes plays down to competition. And this is interesting with South Florida Clip. Last 10 games as a dog, which they're a dog pretty often. They're 0-10 straight up, okay? They don't win the games, but they're 6-4 against the number. Huh. So... They hang in games. They've actually played really well recently. You look at a, a nice win last week against Temple. Uh, they hung right in the game uh, a week before against the, the Tulsa uh, Golden Hurricane. You know, this is a team that hung with BYU and they were ranked. The problem that South Florida has in this game, and where ECU, I think, is really going to have major successes on the ground. I mean, this South Florida run defense is horrid. I, I mean, when I say horrid, bottom five in the country. They're giving up clips six yards a carry. I mean, they're that bad. Um, they pin their ears back a little bit, but Keaton Mitchell should have a big day, and that should open up the passing game. I don't think East Carolina has much trouble moving the ball. I, I think they'll score in this game because, again, they like to run the ball, and, again, that will open up the passing game. But when I look at South Florida, I think they can move the football as well. They've actually been pretty good offensively recently. You know, we, as you know, this is not a great ECU run defense. And this is an ECU team that, as I've said over the years, a lot of the time at the point of attack in the offensive and defensive line, they're just not good enough. I mean, they, they aren't. Um, you know, they're giving up about four and a half yards of carry, nothing to write home about. Um, I think in this game, you know, I'm kind of looking at 56 and a half and feeling like it's a little too low. I think this South Florida team is getting better on the offensive end, scoring, you know, 27 or more in three of the last four. So, I'm looking at, if I can get like a 56-ish, I'm looking over the total. Big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau joining us. We'll talk to Jeff coming up Thursday on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. Our show kicks off at 3.30, getting you ready for the 7.30 kickoff. Jeff, I'll run over uh, some other games with you, and then 
we'll get to uh, what you like here earlier in the week. But we've got a uh, top 10 matchup in East Lansing. It'll be Michigan at Michigan State. Wolverines, a road favorite in that game. Total low 50s. Uh, we're getting to that point where these Big Ten teams are going to start eating each other. So who comes out on top in the rivalry game uh, coming up on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a real good game. I mean, this is a terrific uh, one to, to, I think, go to and watch. It's just that typical, you know, late October, early November Big Ten slugfest. Look, Michigan State has uh, one thing they do really well and one thing they don't do well, Clip. Um, they're actually very good running the football, and they're very good at stopping the run. Um, Michigan State will have trouble with teams that can attack them vertically. So, you know, you play in Ohio State, you're going to have trouble. This is a horrific pass defense. They're really bad. The problem that Michigan has is I don't know if they can attack them vertically. They're without their best receiver, uh, Michigan. They have been for a while. I'm looking at this and saying, like, I'm being, like, 100% honest, I'm not sure why Michigan State's four-point dogs here. I'm just being kind of honest. I, I think that's wild. I think this should be – I don't know. Is the wrong team favored here? Huh. I, I get maybe not. You, you maybe want to make Michigan a, a one and a half point favorite. Okay, so be it. But four? I mean, Michigan State's the home team here. Um, now, these teams, if you know anything about Michigan, Ann Arbor and East Lansing are not very far away from each other. It'll be a great crowd and a great atmosphere. But I think this is a close, low-scoring game. Um, I, I think Michigan State surely has the better quarterback, the better offense. You know, and a defense that I think really plays against what I think Michigan wants to do. Um, I'm blown away that Michigan State's a dog. I think this is the game for Mel Tucker where you know, he kind of shows that everyone in this conference that this is the second best team in this uh, group, and it's probably not close. Jeff, let's uh, stay in the Big Ten. Uh, if you lo- if you lose a game, you want to lose it early. Ohio State did that. Now they have everything in front of them, including dates with Michigan and Michigan State later on in the year. This week they have Penn State, who is a ranked team, but Ohio State since that loss has been very impressive, and uh, it shows in the line they are 18.5-point favorites against Penn State, total sitting at 60. I mean, do you think the, the Buckeyes roll here over Franklin and the Nittany Lions? Yeah, I mean, if you ask me who do I think wins the uh, national title, I would tell you it's Ohio State. Huh. I I mean, do you want to face this team? Because I don't. I mean, this offense is incredible. And what does every team have the problem? You know, even Georgia. I mean, offense, you're a bit concerned about. This is a really good offensive team that I have no interest in stepping in front of. It seems like Penn State clip is wounded and they're on the ropes and they're just looking to be knocked out at this point. I don't know really how else to back this team. The quarterback play has been horrific as usual. Um, and when we look at Penn State over the years, Clip, you know, they've had some really good pieces, good defenses, good receivers, great running backs. But the big problem has been quarterback, and that's no different this year. I think James Franklin is on his way out either way. I think he'll move on and go somewhere else. I think people in Abbey Valley are starting to get sick and tired of him and his behavior. That, that was downright embarrassing what happened last week. Clip, I'll – uh, forever we've had this conversation before you and i how difficult is it to run the football on the two-yard line on a two-point conversion why do teams constantly throw i don't <laughs> understand like yeah. don't get it salute whatever but like you just continue to throw 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 it's like run the ball if you don't get in you don't get in but yeah i'm not stepping in front of ohio state i have no interest um i feel like you're getting a little bit of value here i thought this might be a bit higher 18 and a half um and Ohio State's putting up 50 like it's their day job, so I'm not getting in front of that. 
Jeff, let me ask you about a, a big one in the American because this could be a, a winner faces Cincinnati in the AAC championship. Undefeated SMU, one uh, loss Houston at Houston, and Houston's actually a one-point favorite, basically a pick here with the total at 62. What, if anything, uh, separates these teams with, with Holgerson and Sonny Dykes, uh, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, I'm not really buying Houston. I mean, Clip, look at this schedule. I mean, what the hell do you have here? I, I agree, and and look, I'm going to give the Pirates defense credit here. They look the best they've looked since the Skip Holtz back-to-back conference USA championship days, but for Houston to get shut out in the second half the way they were Saturday night, I mean, they, they looked very beatable, and East Carolina had two chances late in that game to beat Houston on the road, Jeff. Yeah, I, I'm just not real impressed with Houston. I mean, even look back to game one. I mean, what, what the hell happened in the second half if you're Houston against Texas Tech? Clip, they were up 21-7 at the half against Texas Tech and lost 38-21. I mean, that's just dreadful. They're, they're horrific in the second half, and they better not screw around this week because SMU will blow you right out. SMU is taking care of every opponent they've had to take care of. They played some good out-of-conference teams as well, beat La Tech, beat TCU. Um, you know, this is a team that I think has one of the better offenses in the country. Nobody talks about, I have a, I play college fantasy clip and, uh, I have Tanner Mordecai as my quarterback. What a yeah. great quarterback he is in fantasy. This guy just puts up numbers. They have one of the best receiving cores in the country. I'm really surprised that SMU is a, a dog in this game. I'll be on them for sure. Um, I think sometimes you have to just say to yourself, what makes sense here? I think SMU is a better football team than, than Houston. Jeff Nadeau joining us. We'll uh, talk more with him on Thursday. But before we wrap it up today, Jeff, what other college games are you looking at uh, here on a Tuesday? Yeah, well, you know, I think a really interesting game is out uh, in the Mountain West. Fresno State, San Diego State, two totally different teams. San Diego State wants to keep the ball on the ground. Their quarterback is not someone that's going to beat you deep. Um, They're just a team that I think really has to – if they can't run the ball effectively, um, they're going to have some real problems. And generally in these types of matchups, I want the better quarterback. I want the better offense. Um, and I want the Fresno defense that has been terrific this year against the run. This is another game. I think this is the week of you just have to do with what you think makes sense. And I'm also not really understanding why Fresno is an underdog. Um, you know, I know that San Diego State's ranked and undefeated, but I don't know. I'm not really blown away at anything they've done this year. This is a Fresno team that is really battle-tested. I mean, you look at what they've done so far. they played Oregon. They've played UCLA. They've played Nevada. They've went to Wyoming. Um, you know, they even beat uh, for, uh, UCLA and almost beat Oregon. So, you know, when I look at San Diego State, I think you have to kind of look at the body of work and say, well, what have they done? I mean, they've beaten – I guess they beat Utah. Pretty good win there. But I'll take the better quarterback, the more battle-tested team, and the team that is really good against the run – I don't know if San Diego State can keep up with what Fresno State wants to do. I like the Bulldogs here in a little battle of California. Jeff Nadeau joining us, big man on campus. You can follow him on Twitter at JeffNADU at Patreon.com slash BMOC to hear him break down all the action in depth. And also, if you're a fan of Mafia History, The Mob, uh, you can check out the Sit Down podcast as well as Jeff is uh, rolling along with that. Big man, uh, great stuff today. We'll reconvene with you uh, on Thursday on the Bud Light pregame tailgate.
I look forward to a clip. Uh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. we got about five games to go. The college season, when it starts, it goes so fast when it finishes by that time. So uh, I look forward to speaking with you on Thursday. Thank you. All right, there he is, the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. We'll talk some football with him during the Bud Light pregame tailgate coming up this Thursday beginning at 3.30. Um, we talked about posters earlier in the day, and Chandler just notified me that there is a poster out for rough and rowdy this is the um amateur fighting competition that barstool sports puts on rough and rowdy 16 it's about respect and it has a picture of half of jeff nadeau's face and half of jersey jerry's face they will be in an actually pretty sick actual boxing match coming up at the west virginia uh at west in west virginia i should say west virginia mountain mama uh december 10th will be the date and uh we'll be watching along (laughs) watching two non-boxers box each other yep and jeff nadu is uh is one of those so crazy we'll be in uh team nadu we'll be in nadu's corner for this one absolutely no doubt pulling for the big man to uh to pick up the win but i still can't believe this is actually happening so (laughs) I'm just, uh, at, it's, I'm just looking at this poster, man. This is like legit stuff. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how legit the fight is on uh, December 10th. All right. Um, uh, before you uh, go to break, uh, if you haven't had a chance, ECU football football just released their hype video for the Painted Black game. They're calling it the Night of the Boneyard, and it's actually really well done. So Night check it out. Yard. I love uh at the end of it with the players in the yes. black jerseys. It looks very intimidating. So just the audio of it. Yeah. Boot, I was bootstrap Bill. <laughs> Will Smith. Will Smith. Independence Day with Tommy Lee Jones. Wait. Unleash the Kraken. I meant to say men in black with Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, uh, you're thinking of Bill Pullman. No, Independence Day. Is it Bill Pullman with Bill Tyra Banks? Tyra <laughs> Banks and Bootstrap Bill. <laughs> I don't know why, but I love saying Bootstrap Bill in a pirate pursuit of happiness. Pursuit with Will Smith. Will up? Smith, my son. Will Smith. Portraying Muhammad Ali as Will Smith. Ali! <laughs> it's like, well, Orlando Bloom as Will Smith in Pirates of the Caribbean, Night at the Boneyard. That movie he's in with Kevin James. I don't know the title of it. You've heard all the ghost stories, <laughs> Mrs. Turner. Well, wake up, you're in one. That was Stick to the script. <laughs> oh, I... Shirley Rose is Will Smythe. <laughs> Smythe. <laughs> Shmee. <laughs> there was a Shmee in the uh, old Hook movies. Was it? It's only my favorite movie of all time as a kid. Robin Williams. Jurassic Park featuring Sam Neill. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. And, uh, ooh. I gotta do my Jeff. Ooh. Rufio was my favorite character in a movie as a child. Who? Rufio from Hook. Featuring Robin Williams as Peter Pan. As Peter Pan. 
Run Home Jack was a scene from that film. Was that, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman portrayed... The very one. Captain Hook got his arm bit off by a gator. (laughs) What a silly goose. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Stephen Igo joins us next. Sometimes you just got to get it all out of you, you know? You got to get out the sillies. Because we're going to be super serious in hour number three. Oh, I bet. Of today's Pirate Radio Live. Igloo joins us after this. You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Save lives, be a hero, and make $700 your very first month donating plasma at Griffles Biomat USA. It's the easiest way to make extra money. Start now at Biomat USA on 505 South Memorial Drive. Make up to $700 in a month and save lives now at Griffles Biomat USA. A better donor experience and better pay. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Quality Equipment is your full-service John Deere dealer with 28 locations to serve you. Quality Equipment is open in Winterville next to Sam's Club or visit qualityequip.com to find the location near you. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here's your host, Clip Brock. All right, back with you. Hour three of Pirate Radio Live will make you a winner coming up. Uh, we'll do it at the end of this segment, so stick around for that. Uh, real quick, before we get to our guest, Stephen Igo, as we bring him on, um, he can chime in on this if he'd like. Chris Vanini from The Athletic says, uh, tweets out about five minutes ago, the Sunbelt TV deal with ESPN goes until 2031. I've been told the new additions are expected to receive the same payouts as the other football members in the league, perhaps through some reserves. Everyone will be an equal member. He says this is not expected to be the case in the AAC, which has much higher payouts than the Sun Belt and potentially a renegotiated TV deal. New AAC members are not expected to receive the same amount as current members. The Sun Belt doesn't pay out as much, so it's easier to fix that, according to Chris Vedini. So, I go, uh, welcome to the program. Where is conference realignment and TV negotiations? falling right now on your things to keep an eye on and report about? Well, last week they were pretty high up there because you could not ignore them. I mean, with the news, so I wrote a pretty in-depth column on it on Hoist the Colors, and I did a podcast on it late last week. I can't remember the exact day, but going into the Houston game, it almost overshadowed the prep for the Houston game because of the news breaking, but you know, during the five-hour and 20-minute rain delay in Houston, had a chance to catch up with some sources um, at the game and talk about the conference realignment. And, yeah, it was pretty clear that the expectation, and it sounds like not even expectation, but it will stay the same in terms of the uh, the American teams that are remaining in the league are expected to stay right around that $7 million number for the TV deal. And I think the incoming Conference USA schools will basically start out around two, two point five million, and then kind of it'll increase over there uh, over time per year. So that's a significant uh, difference in money. And everybody, including me, 
you know, you look at it, ECU is a better football fit for the Sun Belt now with all the teams going there, but those teams are only making like 500000 to a $1 million per year off their TV deal, which wow. is nothing compared to $7 million. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's such a sub- substantial difference that, yeah, you factor in the, the travel and all of that, and really you don't have many actual rivalries or anything, but the, the TV deal money is just such a big deal. And it separates ECU not only from the incoming Conference USA teams to the American, but the rest of the quote unquote group of five. So they have to stay in the American just for the financial side alone. Good stuff. Stephen Igo, Hoist the Colors, joining us on the Fixed NC Live line. Igo, we will make some picks. We will uh, briefly talk about the most meaningless NFL game ever coming up between our two teams this weekend. Uh, but first, uh, a couple of football news and notes. Talked to Will Turner from Bulls 24-7 a moment ago. And honestly, it was the first time I was kind of looking at the stats, talking to personnel when it comes to USF. And pretty shocking that a team that does not run the triple option uh, this late in the season only has two passing touchdowns to 16 rushing touchdowns. So uh, things have been an issue through the air, and it sounds like Maybe they've settled in on a quarterback, but that is still not a uh, a a position of confidence right now. It appears with South Florida. Yeah, it's more about the running game, and they got a stable of backs. Their offensive line's really improved from a year ago. And I remember last year watching that game. ECU just really got after their quarterback, who was then Jordan McLeod, who I think transferred um, to uh, another school and got hurt, but. They just could not pass block ECU's blitz for much of the game. You know, didn't have a lot of success running the ball, you know, first year doing what they did. And I think they just kind of went back to the drawing board offensively and said, look, we can't do this. We can't drop back and throw the ball. We don't have the quarterbacks. We don't have the personnel. And so they've gone more to kind of a a run-heavy approach. And it's allowed them at times, especially recently, to control the clock, stay in games. They've got a good run-blocking offensive line. I mean, they're not – you know, one of the best in the American, but they do things together very well and they operate efficiently as a unit. So they're good at what they do. You know, the, the wrinkle in this week is their their quarterback left the last game with an ankle injury. So even if he plays, he probably won't be 100%. They got a couple of backups who are pretty mobile too. So you're going to see a lot of read option, a lot of handoff. Um, but, you know, listening to their coaching staff this week, I mean, Jeff Scott basically said in his press conference, he was like, look, we can't just line up and run the ball because ECU is is such a heavy blitz team. We'll just run right into the blitz, and you just can't do that. So he was like, we got to pass the ball effectively this week as well as run it, or else we're going to have a long day offensively. What's the uh, the plan for East Carolina offensively? Jeff Nadeau said the, the Pirates should have success running the football on South Florida. Is Could this be a big week for Harrison Mitchell? Honestly, I mean, ECU should be able to do both things at a pretty high level. I mean, South Florida's secondary is not very good. You know, they do have some decent pass rushers, um, and they've got a couple of good linebackers. But, you know, this should be a game that ECU should be able to score points. Uh, Pretty much everybody with the Pulse has scored against South Florida this year. And if ECU doesn't hit the 30-point mark or over, I consider a pretty disappointed weekend. Now, obviously... You know, Temple scored 14, and they only had 200-something yards of offense. But South Florida also held the clock for 45 minutes. So ECU's defense has to do its part, get the ball back to the offense, which obviously it did versus Houston and versus UCF. 
but if they can do that, I, I really do like ECU's offense in this ma- in this matchup. You know, we talk so much about kind of the matchup side of things, and yeah, ECU's offense has struggled the last two two games to finish drives, and a lot of that is you know they they just haven't had good matchups, especially in the trenches. So I think as long as they can hold up up front, don't turn the ball over, quit shooting themselves in the foot, which seems to happen multiple times per weekend. Uh, at this point with the offense, that they should have success Thursday. But they got to go out and execute. I mean, it's you know it's easier said than done with the offense at this point. I mean, they have to go out and prove it every week. And, uh, you know, we, we've yet to see that consistency now for basically almost three years. Steven Igo hoist the colors. You're not wrong about that. What an effort from the defensive side of the ball that second half against Houston. And, and that kind of spurned on a, a little offensive flurry there in the fourth quarter but when the pirates had a chance to to you know win winning time to win the game and the end of regulation could not do it so steven this uh i think you pointed this out uh, in in your questions and and on hoist the colors too that like this is uh this, this is a tough week for the coaches tough week for the players with the the quick turnaround getting home early sunday morning on into the morning and uh, you get a good opponent at least but Man, uh, you, you just hope that this loss uh, to Houston doesn't stick with you to UC, USF. I feel like the guys have done a good job this year bouncing back from losses and, and kind of refocusing, putting it together. That might be more difficult to do on a short week like this, but they're going to have to as uh, we're getting uh, close to you know 48 hours away from kickoff. Yeah, you really have to find that balance if you're the coaching staff. of. I mean, you have to – obviously give them rest, but you also have to practice with intent. Like you can't just go out there and be like, well, we got to rest the guy's legs so we're not going to go live or team on team. We're not going to wear shoulder pads or anything like that. So especially with the way EC plays, and I feel like Mike Houston has alluded to this in the past, they have got to practice physic, you know, with a lot of physicality, uh, a lot of hitting to kind of carry that game speed into Saturday and I feel like ever since he's kind of made those comments going into the two-lane game especially coming out of the Charles Southern game they have played like that for three consecutive games and now the real challenge is can you do it on a short week when your body's not feeling 100 percent I think you know the, the thing that worries me and probably worries the coaching staff is you got the short week and that's one thing and it really is a big deal you know if for anybody that's traveled it really does take a toll on it. You know, I went to the to the game in Houston. I got about three hours of sleep on Saturday and a Sunday. And, like, I feel like today was kind of my first time really feeling back to normal. And the team didn't get back till Sunday at 6 a.m. And so, like, they basically lost a full night's sleep. So they're probably really just getting back to normal uh, kind of Monday and Tuesday. And, and now you got to turn around and play, like you said, in 48 hours. So you got that side of it. And then you had the side that ECU took care of South Florida pretty well last year. And, again, ECU's not in a position to overlook anybody, but it's human nature. Maybe they think this is an easier opponent than it really is. So I think Mike Houston the coaching staff are drilling into their guys that this is going to be a fight, this is going to be a war, and all they have to do is show the Charleston Southern game, which, by the way, also has a mobile quarterback like South Florida, and that should be enough to get the guys motivated. But I think playing at home, Thursday night, blackout. Like, if it's a team can't get amped up for an ESPN game at home on a Thursday night, wearing the black unis for the first time since 2019, then um, something's wrong. So I, I think in the end they'll be fine. 
Uh, Stephen Igo, Hoist the Colors, joining us. Igo will circle back to football when we make our picks at the end of this segment. A uh, little on Pirate Hoops. We had Antoine Jackson in to start today's show. He is uh, excited about the new guys. And uh, also, when we asked him about the freshmen, uh, he said a, a couple in particular are coming along maybe faster than others. And uh, Javon Small, one of those names that he brought up uh, at point guard, said he could play both guard positions. But he is a uh, name to keep an eye on as well. And uh, overlooked by me, but Coach Jackson made sure that uh, I didn't overlook him was Brandon Johnson, a freshman from Raleigh. So I feel like, you know, the names Reyes and Felton and maybe even Mosher, uh, at least from my perspective, have been mentioned more than guys like Small and Johnson. But uh, I wanted to point out that Coach Jackson was excited about those freshmen. Yeah, you know, the Johnson kid's a really interesting one because he's actually, I mean, he is a freshman eligibility-wise, but he's coming from junior college where he played, and but he didn't have a year of eligibility counted against him due to the COVID deal. So he's got a year of JUCO under his belt. I think his senior year, he put up some pretty huge numbers in the Raleigh area. Usually that translates pretty well to the college level. You know, went to JUCO, had pretty good numbers. Uh, I was told when they recruited him, you know, they loved his athleticism. They loved his upside. He was just raw. And I think ever since he's gotten to campus, they, you know, the rare case of maybe he was even a little bit bigger than they initially thought, which usually it's the opposite uh, as far as the player size and that sort of stuff. So I think they feel like they've found a potential gym in Johnson, you know, Juco kid with full eligibility remaining. Uh, I think he'll help in the paint, kind of rebound athleticism, that sort of stuff. And then you also got Javon Small, and it's not a surprise for me to hear that he's he's kind of further ahead because he's coming from Compass Prep, which was probably the top or the second best uh, prep program in the country last year in Arizona. You know, super good program, super good basketball. He was practicing against Ty Ty Washington, a four-star recruit, every day in practice. He's now at Kansas, I believe. So, um athletic guard again i don't think he'll be a huge scorer right away but he's got a good feel for the game i was out of practice last week and he was on the drive and made a sick left-handed and he's a right-handed guy left-handed over the shoulder pass to vance jackson in the corner who made a three and like it's just been a while since i've seen an ecu guard do that so um it's just an intriguing roster i mean i think that it's going to take some time for them to really work out who fits where who really shines in a game and I think you're going to see a ton of early rotations, early looks at different players in different spots in those first three home games before you go into that Myrtle Beach tournament, which which theoretically should be your first real test. Uh, I go, uh, Coach Jackson would not give me anything, and I mean anything, uh, to his credit, on the scrimmage with NC State, not on the air, not off the air. He was pretty tight-lipped about it. Has anything leaked to you about that scrimmage? Not much. I mean, I had an NC State guy who uh, covers the team who talked to an NC State source said that State won fairly comfortably, whatever that means, and that ECU, in, in this source's opinion, did not look too impressive. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever. Um, you know, a couple of years ago we heard the ECU beat Wake Forest in a scrimmage and they ended up still not being very good, so... I don't know. And I also don't know who actually played for ECU. Alonzo Frank, the transfer from South Carolina, um, he was out last week of practice, so I doubt he played. If he did, I'm 
sure it wasn't much. And the same thing with Winston Tavs coming back from a knee injury. So you could have been down two starters. You're working different situations, trying to figure out which of your freshmen are ready to play. So, I mean, it would be nice to know what exactly happened in the scrimmage. But outside of hearsay and little stuff here and there, I haven't heard a whole, a whole lot. All right, <clears throat> got our hoops uh, talk in. Uh, let's see. Before we get to the picks, I want to. Uh, how about the meaningless bowl coming up on Sunday? Washington, Denver. Um, and honestly, honestly, uh, until you said something as I got on the air with you, I had not thought a single second. I'm not even kidding. Well, a single second about that game since like the calendar turned well hold on because i didn't know they were playing until you said via text on sunday i just saw the score do the chiefs sucked and i said everybody sucks and then you said wait till next sunday which well, i said till the ca- calendar turned to monday like this usually i'm like how many calendars do you have calendars are monthly not weekly i go I have a weekly calendar. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you turned your calendar. uh, Last week's in the past. Boy, what a week it was. Let's turn the calendar to this week. And so you did think about it briefly on Sunday. Point being, I don't care at all. Season's over for me. You guys are like three and four. I mean, you can get back to 500. Man, no. no, This game doesn't matter. They could win and... What it, what good does it do? I think they play at Dallas next. Okay. I'm already wanting my team to lose all their games. That's where I'm at. Oh, I'm the same way, man. I'm yeah. already watching uh, college football on Saturday, trying to see if there's a quarterback in this class that Denver can get with a top ten pick. I mean, it's you know this year that you know the crazy thing is you've got a defensive minded coach who's like this defensive genius and you've got good defensive personnel and the defense sucks. Like, what's the point of having... You talking about my team or your team? I don't know. I'm talking about my team, but I think I'm talking about your team, too. Yeah. So, it's just a joke, man. Yeah. All right. Well, we will not be getting together to watch this game because neither one of us care about it. Uh, Let's get to some... Real quick, Braves-Astros. What do you think? I've never been a bigger Braves fan in my life. All right. I'd like to hear that. I talked to you. I saw your brother today. Uh, and uh, I talked to it. I saw a very excited Jay at the stop shop. He uh, secured some tickets. He was pumped up, I go. Oh, yeah. He's going. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a big, big Braves fan. Yeah. And, yeah. I talked to some of uh, my friends, one of those being Jay Long's son, and, uh, who runs the stop shop, by the way. And uh, I know that they were planning on going to uh, to the games this coming weekend. So that'll be awesome, man. I hope that they are in a position where they win at least one of these first two to where they can really kind of take hold of the series. Oh, man. I hate the Astros, and I hate Carlos Correa, and I hate Jose Altuve. Okay, thank you. Uh, I let your hate run through it. Uh, let's get some picks. Steven Igo is the best college football handicapper on this show. 25 14 and 1 against the spread this year, Steven. And again, these aren't even like games you like. These are the five games a week that I just give us to pick. And you are 11 games over 500. That is amazing. I'm 21 18 and 1, so we're both over 500. 
against the spread this year somehow some way last week i go had his second straight four in one week i was two and three so let's keep it going steven ecu has no business being 10 point favorites against anybody having said that the score that's popping in my head is high 30s to low to mid 20s so with that being the case i'm taking the pirates here i wish the line was lower but i like east carolina to have a i don't know about a two-lane like performance but a two-lane like score so give me the pirates minus 10 yeah you know this game this game is is interesting um south florida had not won an fbs game in over 700 days until they beat Temple. Which is why I picked and, Temple last week, and you picked USF, and you were right. Yeah, and I feel like they were coming off a tough loss versus Tulsa, and they were going to, you know, kind of use that as fuel. And I feel like now that they won a game, I feel like ECU is going to do what South Florida did last week, use it as fuel, even on a short week, and play well. You know, South Florida, I, I really do feel like they're improving. Like, I feel like they could come here and easily give ECU a game and the Pirates are going to have to win potentially in the fourth quarter. But I also see a scenario where ECU just plays a really good football game and wins 34-20, 34-17, something like that. You know, I'll probably stick with a more conservative prediction, but even 31-20 gets it done. So give me ECU, but I don't feel great about it. I can see this one being a, a touchdown game. Wow, way to cover all your bases there. Uh, for you, this it's one possible. This, thank you. This one's all about fuel. It sounds like for you, this is your uh, your one fuel game of the year. I go. Give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me that. What that is Boom! I've seen fuel live in concert. I bet you have too. You know, I think I was supposed to see them one time at a, a festival and it got rained out or something. I can't believe, like, all the X-Fest and all the crap you've been to, you've never seen Fuel. They had, um, of course, uh, Too Far Away From Me Too Home. But the best one was uh, Layla, Layla in my hair. That was a jam. I don't even need to see fuel. I'll just go listen to you sing it. <laughs> All right, next game. Uh, let's stay in the American because we are Americans, although one of these teams is, is not staying in the American. What do you think about Houston being a favorite over SMU, Stephen? I feel like SMU every year under Sonny Dyke mm. started really good, mm. made it down the stretch. Mm. Um. But I'll tell you what, I was not too impressed by Houston last week. Uh, uh, do we factor in a delay, maybe looking ahead, or, do, or you know, do you factor that in when you think about what you saw out of Houston last week? I mean, I think you have to factor in the delay and the fact that there was 14 people in the stands. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not that Houston has, like, a robust home field advantage. I mean, even when I went, when they had the great major Apple White, in 2017, it was like it was pretty full, but just like dead into the game. Yeah, it's pretty dead. But you know what? Whatever. Give me Houston. I feel like it's a sucker bet. They're trying to get you to take SMU, <laughs> and I feel like Houston's going to win. <coughs> well, guess who's the sucker? I am. I will take the Mustangs. We're still talking about an SMU team here that should have lost to um, Louisiana Tech. 
By the way, SMU offensive line has historically struggled. I think they're better, but Houston's defensive front, man, that that group is legit, and I could see them giving SMU's offense a lot of problems. Did you catch up with former ECU O-line coach Brandon Jones during your time at Houston? I didn't catch up with him, but I did watch him intently on the sideline after uh, several East Carolina sacks. And he would just come over and mosey on over (laughs) to his group and just, like, it looked like at times he wasn't even saying anything, but he would, like, just stare at the guy who gave up the sack in the face and just, like, just look at him for 20 seconds. All right. And then he probably just he probably just said I average. Uh Michigan, a road favorite at Michigan State. Jeff Nadeau said this line should be the other way. I, I don't like who's real? Are any either of these teams real? They're both undefeated top neither, ten. Man. Say what? I, neither of these teams are real, and that's why I don't want to pick this game. Again, if you don't want to pick it, okay, you have to have reserve games to tell me to. So, what game do you want to pick? You want to do Washington Denver? No, I'm not in that game. Who is the favorite in that game? By the way, Denver by three. Um, let me. Uh, I just don't. I don't like either of these teams. You said it's at Michigan State. Yeah. Michigan State is uh, Michigan's a four point four and a half point favorite. You go first. I'll take the road team, Michigan. I'll take the home underdog, Michigan State. Yeah, I feel like Michigan State. I want to say it's the very end of their schedule. It's just ridiculous, and it might be starting with this stretch against Michigan. But I think they keep this little magical run going one more week. You know, Michigan State. Nothing fires them up more than to beat Michigan. I feel like Mel Tucker's got one more rabbit to pull out of his hat before they just kind of fade down the stretch. I'll go to Michigan State here. Sparty. Auburn is a three-point home favorite against Ole Miss. I like betting against Bo Nix on the road. Not sure about home. Um, I'll take... I'm going to... I'm going to... Well... I'm going to take Auburn at home. Three and a half? Three. Auburn. I think Ole Miss is good, but they still don't have much of a defense. It's interesting to see like when Georgia plays Kentucky and what the line is. We're talking about the number one team versus the number 14 team, and the line's like 20-something. It really shows you that instead of rankings, we should have tiers almost. Uh, and this is a, a case of that. Ohio State, Penn State, you know, two top 20 teams. Ohio State's at 18 and a half point, almost three touchdowns, I go, over Penn State. You pick first. This one is in Columbus. I feel like uh, there's going to be an overreaction to Penn State losing at home to Illinois. Everybody's going to take Ohio State, and I, I see this being a dog fight. So give me uh, Penn State to cover. Uh, I'll take Ohio State. Tony Peterson and that offense, I go, getting it done against Penn State in nine overtimes. Yeah, it only took them nine times to finally punch it in. <laughs> hey, look, we've always said it, though. You give Tony Peterson nine chances, he's going to get it in. 
Yeah, he never got nine chances at ECU. Yeah. Steven, uh, what do you got going on, Hoist the Colors? There's a real and a fake VIP chat going on. Folks can check out. Yeah, yeah, you're running the fake one, right? I, yep. It's more entertaining than, than mine. I I don't know about you, but I'm just fatigued of answering questions about the East Carolina offense and, like, so many people want to ask about the quarterback situation. And I think, like, every week in the VIP chat, I get asked about that 20 times. People legitimately still think that Holton Aylers is only playing because his dad is a PA announcer and he's from Greenville. So I had to deal with that. Do you think Actual co- – Cliff Godwin, because look, girls can play baseball. Do you think, and my daughter has never played baseball or softball, but if I continue to do PA for baseball, do you think Lily could potentially start at shortstop for ECU baseball one day? Oh, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, after hearing all the strings that Pirate Radio already pulls, I mean, just imagine how much more the – the stranglehold on ECU athletics will grow over that time. You know, once Lily is of age in terms of being able to go to college, I think that Pirate Radio will be East Carolina University itself. So Awesome. Uh, yeah, starting shortstop, what would the year be, 20? She's seventh grade, do the math, five years, six years, 20, 27, six, somewhat, seven. Okay. There you go. All right. I go. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but we got some new content on South Florida game. I have a new podcast out tomorrow. So, yeah, shut up. Also, there will be an official visitor at the game on the recruiting side we just reported on. So, yep, check it out. Appreciate you guys. Later, Bo. There is Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors. Let's take a timeout, and as we do, open up the booty bag, Shirley Rhodes. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. All right, 317-1250, what do you want to give away on this Tuesday? How about a $25 gift card to ENS Hemp Company? Sounds like a plan. What call are you looking for? Um, I'm going to go with caller number 10 today. All right, 317-1250, we will give away that and come back with more after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, cool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back at Angel Oak. They continue to make customer service the number one priority. A local mortgage advisor is the key to your transaction success. The combination of their local team's experience and Angel Oak's wide offerings of products from standard conventional government and portfolio loans is something for every financial situation. For more information, call Talbot Green, Joanne Weir, or Wanda Hager at 751-2060. And congratulations to Matt Lewis of Washington. Picked up a $25 gift card to ENS Hemp Company. Are you one that has been waiting before trying CBD? Well, ENS Hemp is the area's leader in CBD, and they want to educate you on how their products work. Get relief from stress, anxiety, fatigue, pain, and PTSD today at ENS Hemp on Fire Tower Road near Sam Jones Barbecue or online at eshempcompany.com. 
Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Brock. Alrighty, back with you here on Pirate Radio Live. We've talked Pirate Hoops with ECU basketball assistant coach Antoine Jackson. We've talked Pirate Football with Kevin Monroe and Stephen Igo. We'll uh we'll mix in some baseball talk, some fall ball talk maybe next week. Uh remind me to ask Igo about that next Tuesday. Uh let's continue on with our Bud Light ECU report and hear from Donnie Kirkpatrick, Shirley, you got those up. I'll give you a moment if you don't, but Shirley's the best producer in the game. Maybe I'll remember to thank her after the show today, but I am thinking about potentially saying thank you. So many thoughts. <laughs> thank you for thinking. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's hear from Donnie Kirkpatrick as he met with the media on Monday evening. I, it's, it's a broken record. Everybody's tired of hearing it. I'm tired of saying it. I mean, you're tired of hearing it, I know. But it is the same thing. You know, the first quarter, I thought we really came out ready to play, and that was hard to do. i got to give the kids some credit. That was a long, weird day. Now, I've had a couple of delays. We've had all kinds of things happen when you've been in it as long as I have. I've never had one of those days where, you know, it was that long of a delay and nobody was giving us any good information. Nobody seemed to know what was going on. Uh, so the kids handled it well. We came out, thought we played really well in the first quarter. We should have gotten a score touchdown, I thought, on the first drive. We dropped the ball. That kind of put us behind the chains a little bit. Uh, we missed the protection there on the third down throw. We got the field goal. They answered. We came back, scored. You know what I'm saying? Great drive. We go back up. They answered again. It's going to be an exciting game. You know, that's what everybody wants to see anyhow. And then we actually have a play. And we got the post wide open. The free safety fell down. He was on his back. So nobody's on CJ, and he's throwing to CJ. We, we, we missed a block, and he got hit, and we got a fumble. Now, he gave them good field position. The momentum switched. And right now, we're not good enough to overcome that stuff. We keep making that key mistake. But we were really playing well. Didn't think we played too good in the second and third quarter. Fourth quarter, we got it going again and, you know, scored two touchdowns there. I think we're in position to win the game. If I'd have been a betting man, I would have bet we'd have won the game. But – Turnovers were the huge deal in the game. We uh, we gave them two good field positions right there that they turned into scores. They gave us one back, you know, which that's what it is. You know, you, if you have to go 80 yards, you're not going to score very often. You know, Alabama doesn't score going 80 yards all the time. Uh, you get those short fields, you got to capitalize. We got one, we capitalized, we gave them two, and that was probably the difference in the game was just those turnovers, I thought. When you went to choosing what – play you're going to run in the overtime, what were your options? Well, you know, they scored first play, okay? So, you know, we thought it was good. We're going to be on defense first. Then you'd know, do we have to get a field goal? Do we have to play for a touchdown? So we knew that was still a good part. Once we knew we had to score a touchdown, we knew we were in four-down territory. So our thoughts were, we just given up a big score. Now let's don't just panic, you know, and say, okay, we got to throw it to the end zone. Like, we got to score the first play because that, that, you don't get any style points. As long as you score, you tie it, and then we go to the next overtime. So we're we got four downs. We ran a play that we'd been wanting to run. We hadn't been able to get to it because we got behind. It was a run play. I think we got four, four and a half, five yards right there. So now you've got three downs to make like six yards. So we run. It's really a pass, but it looks like a run. And it's trying to get the ball in Ryan Jones's hands because I think he's a playmaker. It was a play that had worked very successfully earlier. Defense end made a pretty good play. Uh, it still should have just been like a one-yard gain but we fumbled the ball. So that, that was the thought process was let's don't panic. Let's show confidence. Let's drive the ball. Let's get it down here. Let's get it into makeable, you know, and then went it in the second overtime. Didn't work out that way.
All right, there's part of Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, we got to get another break in, right, Shirley? So let's do that. Right now, we went uh, commercial-free for a while with Igo there. So we got to take another time out. We'll come back, have more for you on this Tuesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Back with you after this. Listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sug Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Making memories with your family and friends this is, lo- is what life is all about. And if you have a dream of make, uh, having a backyard patio fireplace, a pool walkway, a fire pit, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is a place to call at 364-1201. Or you can stop by the Carolina Hardscapes Outdoor Showroom on Fire Tower Road across from Bossick Sug Furniture. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Brown. All right. We have yet another break to take. But before we do that, let's hear more Donnie Kirkpatrick. As he met with the media on Monday night and answered questions. Let's hear it right now. Holden, I talked to him earlier about the, the play. I think it was the second to last drive. You guys had the ball trying to take the lead. and yep. He had a chance to maybe run, throw it across his body. I guess how frustrating are those plays? And then is there any way to get him to, to really focus on running? Well, you know, I think for the in the quarterback room, that's probably the, the drive that mattered. You know, the turnovers and all that stuff like that. But we practiced two minutes every week and i tell you what we're really good at it out there in practice we go against our defense it's a really competitive drill and we have some tough situations we just had a situation we had 48 seconds and no timeouts and we went down and scored you know the in practice so you know i had a lot of confidence that we'd do that it did come down to a big third down and he got flushed from the pocket and if he would have now hindsight's always 2020 if he'd have run i think for sure he would have made the first down if nothing else, it would have been really short and we would have went for it. And uh, so that's the one he's beating himself up over. I am too. Every quarterbacking is all about making decisions. It's just about making decisions if you have the, the talent to do it. The problem is you can never recreate the same situation. It's always a little bit different. 11 on 11, every time is different. So, you know, you, you, you practice, those situations come up that are similar. It's never exactly the same. And we encourage the quarterback, you know, pull it down. You got to run it. You got to make that play. But you got to be able to do that just on that spot, that moment. So we had a very similar play today, uh, believe it or not. Okay, maybe lucky. Maybe it's something coming our way. And he did. He pulled it down. He ran it. You know, whatever. So we had a little mild celebration out there today. So I'm in a little better mood just because he did that. But, uh, you know, he, he played really well minus a couple of those decisions, which is it's always the deal though at quarterback. Make, make better decisions. I know specifically ball security drills are more of a camp thing than a mid-season thing, but after three fumbles in a yeah. week, do you? Well, you know what? The, the, the sad part of that is we've, we've continued to do them every Wednesday practice, as today was kind of a Wednesday practice, and we did them today. And they've, they've been tough drills, too. I mean, we, usually after the preseason, you kind of just kind of go through the motions a little bit, 
we, we've, they've been competitive, you know, with the defense going after it, trying to strip the ball. So we've tried to emphasize that. And I really thought that we'd done a pretty good job of that until Saturday. We did not. Now, we had the fumble last week at Central Florida, you know, a little bit too. So now we've had two weeks in a row. So we even amped it up more today. And that's one of those things you don't you, – you've got to harp on it. You've got to emphasize it. You, you can't just get them thinking about it too much, though. You know, just it, but it, it was, it's fundamental stuff right there. But you know, Snead had one. He's not a big fumble guy. We hadn't had a history of that. As had Keaton, not either. Quarterback getting hit in the pocket. Now the one he was literally throwing the ball. You know, he didn't see the guy. You get hit. That's just one of those things. He had another fumble though. That was just a bad decision. He was going to try to flip the ball, and he should have just been running that one too. So, uh, Tyler, I think the guy just kind of overwhelmed him a little bit. The guy just out pulled the ball on him a little bit there. So he probably had it a little bit loose, though. All right, Donnie Kirkpatrick there talking about some uh, some miscues, some fumbles as well. Let's get our last break in. Shirley will come back, wrap up this Tuesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Back with you after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Taking a quick look at your stock market. It was another good day today. The Dow was up 15 points at 35,756. The NASDAQ was ahead 9 at 15,235. And the S&P was up 8 at 4,574. That's your Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Report for a personal look into investing. Call Wells Fargo Advisors today at 756-6900 in Greenville. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC. Member SIPC. Now, back to you, Clip. All righty. We are wrapping it up here on a Tuesday. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to today's program. I had a fun one, and we'll be back with you Wednesday. Three o'clock for an all new edition of Pirate Radio Pirate Radio River. For Shirley Rhodes, Chandler Honeycutt, I am Cliff Brock. Go Braves. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.